Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. I ran out a second time on Friday. I wanted to play Glenn Frey's The Heat Is On last week and I never got to do it. And of course, <coughs> one of the headlines in the Red Tops today is The Heat Is Off. Wet and windy for the week. Not necessarily down here. I don't see a whole lot of wind down here, but certainly showery. Uh, the Echo this morning, the race against Delta. And they talk of COVID cases on the rise since the 1st of May. And they hone in on the fourth wave that's looming. So, uh, pretty depressing front page today. In fact, much of those kind of stories and COVID numbers and what have you are also the same in the UK, but they're handling things entirely different. More on that in a few minutes' time. Pubs last order is a front page of making the mirror today. Pubs and restaurants owners, apparently they're meeting with senior cabinet members and Tarnished and Tishuk. Actually, I should have said that the other way around. Pub and restaurant owners calling for a fixed date uh, to reopen indoors. Now, what's very interesting about that is that um, they are talking in the papers today that they might be given the green light to fully reopen in two weeks' time. Now, we had 562 new cases yesterday. Uh, there are 48 people in hospital, though. It's quite low number. Uh, sadly, 14 of them are in intensive care. But uh, we are also rolling out Tens of thousands of vaccines by the hour now, hundreds of thousands by the week. Uh, and that's got to be be- be- borne in mind when you talk of Delta on the one hand, you got to talk about vaccinating people on the other. OK, so there's a bit kind of a juggle going on. But all Ireland, all adults in Ireland will be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by uh, the back end of August. So realistically, no matter what way you peel this one, the back end of August and the 1st of September should really look at all restrictions and as they're doing in the we saw a story in the paper this morning saying you know, they're getting rid of all all masks I'll come back to that in a minute but the Young Free and Mingle is a headline in the Sun today and I'll have more on this as well this morning where young adults 18 year olds and upwards to 34 you know that age bracket they will start getting their vaccines today the country's pharmacists are putting out the, the one-shot J&J into the arms of 18-year-olds. I just hope they have enough to be going around. But there are talks today on indoor dining resuming. The talks will resume today, not the indoor dining it should have done, uh, but it ain't. And restaurants and pubs are calling on the government um, to introduce antigen testing. Now, I, I wonder why they would want to do that if there's going to be the vaccine uh, digital green cert for those that have had two jabs or for somebody that's already had uh, COVID. I, I mean, am I missing something that they would have to present all those going in and like they're going to add into the mix also antigen testing for people who haven't been vaccinated. I mean, it will get people who aren't vaccinated into the property, which is good for everybody. But it sounds like an awful lot of extra work, doesn't it? They had, am- they had amazing gig actually uh, up in Kilmainham where they had 3,500 people at the weekend attend a concert, right? And they did antigen testing at the concert. I thought it was amazing because just one member of the public received a positive COVID-19 antigen test out of the 3,500. And would you believe that the person then went away and took a PCR test and the PCR test came back negative? I mean, it's the weirdest thing. So the pubs are, are demanding an end to social distancing for vaccinated customers. Like, if it was a case that the pubs and restaurants indoors were full of vaccinated customers, then you would no longer need the one and a half metre rule and the 105 minutes. So that's a story that makes the independent today, two metre distancing to be scrapped 
Um, you know, I mean, we'll have to see, you know, particularly what happens with regards to whatever meetings the RAI and the Vintners are having. But tourists are hitting Spain. In spite of the government's advice not to travel, people are. And those that have been double jabbed are heading to Spain. And Jumbo Karen's in the... Uh, in the mirror this morning has an exclusive on that where he's got photographs of hundreds of Irish people beginning the great COVID escape and the queuing to get into Spain, the Costa del Sol. So Saturday was the first weekend day after the ban on non-essential travel was lifted across Europe. They've all got their EU digital COVID search. We're dragging behind on that, but the rest of Europe got it on the 1st of July. And in the UK... Here's the common sense I was talking about last week. Even Boris Johnson is now saying we must learn to live with the virus. He's calling for common sense after um, the COVID rules are lifted. And on the 19th of July in the UK, it will be no longer necessary to wear a mask. There'll be no more bubbles. There'll be no more one meter nor two meter rule. There'll be no more hotel quarantines or self-isolation or anything like that on July 19th. And the only thing we can say here about July 19th is that's the date when you are supposed to be able to go on your summer holidays overseas, even though the government are telling you not to go. Papers also talk today about other aspects of uh, life and the economy. The examiner talks of average house prices up by 11%. Apparently, house prices are currently on the rise, and we know that if you haven't been following it, where have you been? Uh, Tills are ringing again, though, um, and retail spending continues to climb because of pent-up demand. I was referring to that a couple of weeks back as revenge spend. People who haven't had any impact with regards to their work or their salary have saved huge amounts of money and they're spending it. And the tills are ringing according to this morning's uh, mail. They also talk in many of the papers, and I'll have more on this a little later on this morning, that we are the second most scammed nation in the European Union just behind Greece um, and way ahead of a lot of other European countries. I don't know why the scammers think that Greece and Ireland is the softest touch, but they do. Talk to Conor Pope a little later on about that. And interestingly, uh, with regards to people who are looking for jobs or career choices, um, job security uh, is top of the list when it comes to females when they look at the preferences among students from 2021 as to what are they looking for in a job. And it's quite interesting because with women, number one is secure employment, two, a friendly work environment, high future earnings, ethical standards, respect, inspiring purpose, professional training and development, things like that. Um, So secure employment is number one for women, but future earnings is number one for men and then secure employment, then the friendly work environment clear path for advancement um, they don't they don't talk about you know a uh, free bottle bar or um, you know um, you know little pods for going for a little sleep or anything like that so for the men it's high earnings and the women future employment and Joe O'Shea in the mirror this morning cannot understand why anybody on Side would walk around Cork City wearing an English shirt it would be fine if you were English walking around Cork City with an English shirt but he's saying an actual Cork lad in the actual rebel county it's a funny column that makes this morning's mirror where Joe O'Shea says no one should be wearing English shirts. And apparently, it's the 75th anniversary of the bikini. I think the bikini was originally named after the Bikini Atoll Island where they tested the atomic bomb. And with regards to a fashion statement, I suppose the bikini was in itself a bit of a fashion atomic bomb, wasn't it? And they got some lovely photographs of some of the earlier bikinis, including Ursula Andress um, in James Bond's 
uh, 007 flick Dr. No and another one then of Britt Eklund in The Man with the Golden Gun and Barbara Windsor then with her bikini in Carry On Camping <laughs> I mean you gotta laugh oh and if you didn't know it people that are being born now are living longer than anyone on the planet ever did and apparently those that are coming after them will even live even longer. The Mail, or sorry, the Telegraph on Saturday said that humans have now, um, like just to cut to the chase, they're saying that in the next, next 80 or 90 years, people will be living to the age of 130. Um, there are lots of different reasons for it. Amongst them are, have to do with, you know, better food and enhanced nutrition. Now, assuming you don't, you don't live in a lifestyle of junk and fast food. So better nutrition, cleaner water, better medicines, replacement of body parts, uh, 130. And, and it's not as if you'd have an awful life for 50 of the third 130 years. Apparently, it'd be a damn, might be a bit long. You might get a little bit on the board side of it, might get a bit repetitive. Not you or me, we, we probably won't make it. But in maybe 50, 60, 70 years, 130. I mean, that's an amazing thing. When you look to 100 years ago, people were lucky to make 50. The Neil Prenderville Show. Hands open, one 104 106 Going to get stuck in now as fast as I can because a lot of ground to cover. So it's a big day today. Um, and many, many people have already booked their appointments in pharmacies right across the country or referred to young, free and mingle where 18 to 34 year olds can get jabbed. The country's pharmacies are on board and I was mad keen to see how it was going. So we're checking in with Pat Dalton from Dalton's Pharmacy on the North Main Street. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And can I thank you for taking the call on what probably is a, you know, a busy enough day for you anyway. Anyway, um, bookings, what are they like? Availability, how many jabs do you have? Tell us everything. Okay, well, I have zero jobs at the moment, Neil. Oh, God, um, that's a bad start. <laughs> that's a bad start. Uh, we're awaiting delivery this week of some jabs. We are led to believe it won't be a massive number of jabs, um, but hopefully that will change uh, by next week. Um, bookings are through the roof. Um, so I suppose we're just asking everybody to be patient. Um, uh, you know, we 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 haven't. We've obviously got way more bookings than we have. We, we have well, no. So. Okay, so let's just let's just look at that now. You know, when you say you don't have any, um, are there many other pharmacies like you that don't have any? I would hazard a guess that no pharmacy in Cork has any stock left. I could be proved wrong on that. Um, left, even if they do, I, I'd say I'd say five or ten at the most, because every every pharmacy uh, that's participating in it, got a delivery of 50 vaccines just over two weeks ago. Oh, for God's sake. 50 vaccines, Neil. And and who did you give month. those to? I gave them to primarily people aged 50 and over because that's the instruction we were given by the HSE um, that has changed from today. So my vaccines were gone last week. Because I read somewhere at the weekend, I can't remember the name of the pharmacy, it was up the country, they said that they when they were going to print, and the article was probably written on Friday, they had 50 vaccines and were hoping to get 50 more this morning. This is a, yes. this, this is a bit of a false, false start, isn't it? Well, they, they, so when the HSE deliver vaccines, every pharmacy would be getting, would be, the vaccines would be delivered on different days to different pharmacies. So I do believe this week every participating pharmacy will get a delivery of 50 vaccines, and that would be on varying days. So some pharmacies may get a delivery of 50 vaccines today 
But would that be believe. every day then afterward? After? No, no, no. That's 50 vaccines like this week and further supplies to be confirmed. Um, but not this week. That's my understanding at the moment. Um, and hope, you know, t- talk a little bit about, about bookings. I mean, you and maybe your colleagues, do you have numbers? We, oh, yeah, we're into the we're into four figures at the, at the moment. That's um, over a thousand. That's over a thousand. Um, like we would be able to get through. Uh, we have the c- capability of doing, you know, nearly 500 vaccines a week. So, like, you know, we, we can get through the we can get through that thousand pretty quickly if we get supplies. Um, so that's the only thing holding us back at the moment. Um, no, so, look, it's, it's obviously out of our hands. And why? Why only fifty for the week? Is there a shortage? There obviously is. Yes, Neil, there is a shortage at the moment. I do believe supplies or deliveries will be ramped up in July uh, later this month, um, and hopefully things will change then. I'm sure this will all be sorted in time. Um, and that, you know it, that for anybody who wants a, a, a vaccine in a pharmacy, that they'll have no problem getting it within a short space. And what are you saying to the over thousand people that have booked in your pharmacy alone? I'm telling them just to be patient, which they have been. In fairness to them, um, that we will not leave anybody out um, at all. We have we, we're 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 getting to people in order of when they have booked. Uh, they book on the website daltonspharmacy.ie. So we have a record of exactly who has booked and the time they've booked. We will get to everybody. Um, if for any reason anybody gets a vaccine elsewhere, we're, we're asking people just if you could send us an email confirming that you already got it and you want to be taken off the wait list. That's absolutely fine. Like if I call Boots now or if I call my own pharmacy on the Douglas Road or if I call a pharmacy in Bishopstown or in Ballyvalan, will they tell me the same thing? They may have a couple of vaccines left. I don't know. I, I, I haven't made my own inquiries, but I would be very surprised if there's any Janssen vaccines left in any pharmacy in Cork this morning. There may there, there probably is a couple somewhere, but not many. So, so on the day when everybody is bigging up the rolling out of it for the 18 to 34-year-olds this morning in chemists, pharmacies, there are no vaccines. Well, there's none in Dalton's pharmacy this morning. There will be some uh, later this week. Um, and I would hope that, give it another week, that supplies will be ramped up. But as of this morning, there is a shortage. Now yes, when no when they're ramped up, um, are, you, are you talking about... Because you have to get the deliveries because it's got a shelf life and has to be in a fridge. I mean, you can't just stock up, can you? You must use them. Do you have to use them on the day? No, you don't, Neil. They, they, there is a good, a good expiry date on the vaccines. Um, once you open the vial, you have three hours to use it, and you have five doses in each vial. So we, we have, you know, we've got to be very careful that we don't waste a single dose. But I could get it, you know, I could easily, if the supplies were there, we could accept a big delivery of vaccines. We could have them in the fridge, and we could get through our waiting list very quickly. Um, like I'm talking a couple of weeks. And um, and I suppose you've already had over a thousand calls for bookings. Today being the day that it's supposed to start, a bit of a yeah. dodgy start, means that your phones are going to be ringing even more from today, aren't they? Well, possibly. I think most people are kind of aware of, well, I hope they're aware, um, and hopefully your show will help with this, that, 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 that you know, there's a, there is an issue uh, with supply at the moment. Even though we've had an announcement that you can come into a pharmacy and get it today, the supplies are not there at the moment. So people just have to be patient, and we will get to everyone. 
when you say supplies will be ramped up, you don't have a number? Of I suppose I can't. I can't. I, I mean, I, I don't. I haven't been given that information, Neil, from the HSE. But it's just that I mean, 750 pharmacies are, are, you know, rolling out the vaccine and lots and lots of people are calling. You've had a th- over a thousand for your pharmacy alone. But yet if yeah. what's going on in your pharmacy is going on in the other 750 across Ireland, this is another shambles. In, that's just me looking in from the outside. Uh, yeah, um, well, I, I suppose I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's a shambles. I would think it's a, a positive thing that pharmacies are now able to do people age 18 up. Um, and I think it's, you know, the, the, the supplies will come. Um, we just have to be patient. Um, the fact that, you know, over 700 pharmacies are participating in the vaccine rollout is a very positive thing. It's going to be very convenient for people to walk in. It's a single-dose vaccine. They'll have immunity within 14 days. It's very active against the Delta variant. So there's a lot of positives to this story, Neil. So I'm going to remain positive okay. <laughs> as okay. much as I can. Okay. Um, as regards supplies, I mean, that's out of my hands. That's in the hands of the HSE who are doing, you know, I'm sure they're doing their absolute But whoever best. is number 1,000 on your list, um, the, it's going to be weeks and weeks and weeks before they ever get a job. Not necessarily weeks and weeks and weeks, Neil. As I said, we have the capability in our pharmacy to vaccinate up to just short of 500 people per, per week. So they don't, they don't have weeks and weeks to wait if we get the supplies. So if they had the supplies and rolled them out to the 750, of which 99 of them are in Cork, they'd, they'd, they'd be able to jab the 18 to 34-year-olds in a fortnight. Well, I'm only speaking from my own pharmacy, Neil. Um, we we have extra, you know, we've ex, we've got three vaccinating pharmacists. We've got extra room. Um, we've got a, you know, there's a unit next door to us in in the North Main Street shopping centre, which we've, you know, going to use solely for vaccination purposes. We've got the space. We've got the capability to to vaccinate up to 500 people per week. Not every pharmacy will have that capability. Um, so I'm only speaking from my own pharmacy with, with regard to that. But okay. a lot of pharmacies. You know, we'd, we'd look to get through good num- big numbers as okay. well. Okay, well, you, you, you remain optimistic and you want to stay positive, and I understand that. I appreciate that. Might yes. be good to perhaps stay in touch with you in the coming days and weeks to see how things are going. And I'd also encourage other pharmacists to get in touch if they'd like to get in touch to tell us how they're doing with regards to supplies. And we can get a better idea as to what's available, you know, right now on the morning that this rollout starts. But for now, Pat, thanks so much for taking the call. Appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. At Dalton, at Dalton's Pharmacy in the North Main Street, where they, this morning, have zero vaccines. Although, he's endeavouring to say as positive as possible. Morning, Neil. There's none in the Carry Tool Pharmacy either. My fiancé tried to make a booking on Saturday, and they stopped taking bookings at 500, because they have too many people and no vaccines to give them. Okay, it'd be good to hear from other pharmacies as to whether or not you have vaccines and what kind of stock. I think many of them, from what I can see, are working on a promise of vaccines at the moment, even though today's the day that 18 to 34-year-olds um, are supposed to be getting jabbed, but you can't jab them if you haven't got it. I was due to get my second, my Pfizer's second jab yesterday, four weeks after my first one. There was no sign of my text for an appointment. I'm due to go on holidays at the end of the month. I think it's very unfair uh, that we cannot make plans now, all because of this HSC rollout mess. Rang the HSC and they said, call back next Friday. It's just not good enough. I'm 42. A lot of my friends are still waiting too. 
We were told we should get the Pfizer jab four weeks after the first one, says Emma. Well, that's a new one on me. I haven't heard that before because up until now, it just automatically happened. You just got a text. In fact, sometimes you got a text two or three days ahead of the uh, ahead of the date. So that's another new one on me. What about 35-year-olds? Bottom of the HSE list, can't go to the pharmacy, totally pushed to the bottom of the list. Yeah, 18 to 34s. I know what you're saying. That's annoying, isn't it? If you had, if you have had the AstraZeneca, as most people have, the pharmacy won't give you the Janssen and Janssen as the second jab, says Jerry. No, they won't, because the J&J is a single jab. Text 0868104106. You'll be getting too much of the vaccine then, I suppose. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And you can always email neil at uh, redfm.ie to the phone lines. We go, Sean, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Um, this is a bit of an embarrassment, isn't it? Today's the day, and yet they don't seem to have any vaccines in the pharmacies. Yeah, the whole thing seems to be going backwards. But we're looking at England and the north, especially. We don't even have to look. We we have it on our own island. They seem to have moved into a completely different space. It's a different country up there. I've been told people have come back. They've had holidays around and from other areas. There's no. They still have. They're still playing it safe on distance. And numbers, but there's no asking for vaccinations or testing. The masks are pretty much voluntary. A lot of people do it. A lot of people, some don't, but there's nobody in your face telling you. Have you been up there? Are you hearing? I think I'm speaking with a few people that have been on holidays. Plus, we're we're hearing their busloads arriving in Belfast and Derry every weekend coming up from Dublin. We're on the same island. Is there something hugely different in our DNA that the North can seem to move on and we're still dealing with it. We're still have this lame duck, nervous nellies running. Yeah, yeah the there's, they have more per head of population vaccinated than us though. And, and not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Mm. And, and they're still, but they're way ahead on the easy. We're, we're, we're still the, 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 everybody in the entire UK would be vaccinated by the back end of August. And they figure yeah, that, that, that no, hang on a second. They figure that everybody in Ireland as well, except for the very, very smallies, will also be vaccinated by the end of August. Yeah, but there's this. It's almost like a fatwa against indoor dining and transport. Um, we had restrictions even when it was open, and the numbers weren't there anyway. That there was cases developing. I, we had a million people back in school. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. The five and a half thousand at the gig in Dublin in Kilmainham, and uh, one tested positive to an end within a, a test and then subsequently tested negative out of five hundred and five and a half thousand people. Yeah. Uh, is yeah, there anything I, that that's amazing? Just one, which then turned I'm out to be a negative. I, yeah, I'm just afraid that we'll, uh, Nefit will do what Nefit do. They will keep us happily, keep us locked up in our houses and uh, keep everything down, not a single case. But the government and this, our leader especially, he just seems too timid and nervous and anti-alcohol and anti-fund and he sold the construction industry and everyone else down the Swanee under the bus to get the schools open. And Houlihan, the minute he mentions the schools again, Michal Martin just panicked again, panic stations. God forbid the schools may not open again. And I, I would be quite prepared to say he'll, he'll sacrifice anything to get his schools back again. OK, it's a government decision. Uh, they act as a government, but you get the feeling the leader is setting the tone, well, and it's a but, poor tone. It's okay, well, well, you know the things that he's, you know, he's quite entitled to wear his mask twenty four seven, walking his dog. But as a personal 
decision as a personal citizen, that's his own business. As the leader of the country, I expect more. I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more bottle. What? Like like the way Johnson is saying that we need to live with this and it's all about personal exactly. responsibility. A bit of cop- yeah, but July, but okay, so let me just, before I let you go, just, if, let me just suggest this to you. Say July 19th, would that be an acceptable date for you or for hospitality indoors and, and everything else that goes with it, increasing the amount of people for weddings and everything like that? July 19th. Um, if, no, well, May 19th would have been more acceptable to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, but that's gone now. I mean, but there... I think that the yeah, I think right. the restaurant association might well be happy with July nineteenth um, that you know when yeah. we can when we can go those that have been fully vaccinated, but on top of that they also want say for July nineteenth an antigen test for those that haven't been vaccinated. With, I don't think they want it. I think they're prepared to put up with it. If put up with it. I think they possibly should be a bit more uh, a bit more flexible uh, forward as well because. Um, they, you, they make it sound, it's like everything in this country, we'll allow indoor dining. People panic, they almost think it's like it's compulsory. It's not. And the people that the government are pandering to are the people that are driving around like morons on their own wearing a face mask. They're the kind of people that the, we seem to be legislating for. They're never going to see the inside of a pub anyway. Here. The ones inside in the car and they're on with the mask on. And the, yeah, it, it, it is. There isn't an iota of scientific, medical, logical, any kind of a reason to wear it. You don't Even think they've just? People. You don't think those people just forgot to take them off? No. No, I think they're morons, and I no, think no, that's no. what the government is. They're not, they're not. They're not morons. Well, I, in my opinion, and I wouldn't. I'm not going to pull them over and tell them it's their own business. But they. But have like you never walked? Have you never been walking down the street with someone who's forgotten to take their mask off when they come out? And you say to them. Mask, mask, you still have it on. Oh, God, I forgot, I forgot. I'm pretty sure most of them driving around with the mask. Because, Neil, you're a danger to yourself, but you're also a danger to me. So, in a way, it kind of is, my opinion, or it concerns me, right. especially if they're wearing glasses. But the, the main point to do with them, that's their own business. But they're, leave it more up to the restaurants. And in, as they're seeing in England and the north of Ireland, which is on the same, which is the same island as this, let it more up to the actual people involved, the restaurant, brewers, Republicans, and people's personal opinions. You don't have to go to a place if you think it's not okay, safe. Okay, if you don't want to you know? stay outdoors. Okay, thanks I'm for that. I'm tired of just this nanny state. And uh, uh, Nefit will do what Nefit do. That's what they do. But the government need to need to start uh, standing up and treating us like adults. Okay, so, let me get some more calls on the air. Thank you, Sean. Actually, I see the Independent this morning is suggesting that pubs and restaurants, if they were to take on board the vaccine pass, right, say in the coming weeks, they would agree to that on the basis that all social distancing and all the division of tables and the two-meter stuff would no longer be needed and they could have as many people in as they want if there's a vaccine pass. So there's a lot in the air at the moment. Uh, Mel from the Clatter restaurant in Blarney got in touch with me through uh, my Instagram page over the weekend. Sent some beautiful photographs of their gorgeous restaurant outdoor, more to the point, indoors. Um, and rather than read it out, I said, why don't you come on the air and just have a quick chat with them? Because they're, they're really hurting out there. Mel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And, and that's the sense I got from your message on my Instagram page, that you were hurting and disappointed, yeah? Well, I was, Neil, you know, just, um, I had a pretty much emotional moment on Saturday. Just move around uh, a little bit there, Mel. It's not a great phone line. Yeah, perfect. We were just, I was just working away, doing our takeaway as we do, Neil, on, um, on a Saturday night, right? And I had, like, 
amount of people coming in looking for tables and tables. Can we have a table for two? I'm after sending back nearly 10 couples, three, four phone calls that I can't take people in because I don't have outdoor dining, which is absolutely... But you were taking bookings for uh, last Monday, were you? Oh, I was I was booked out, Neil. I was booked out. I I, I didn't cancel my bookings yet after the 19th. I hope I'm going to get um, some more people in that something will happen to us that uh, they'll get a new, new good news on the 19th. But it's we are just defeated because people are sick of takeaway. I mean, we have a local community that is amazing and learning. Neil. Everybody's so supportive. But why would a person choose to get another takeaway? when they can sit down and have a proper meal served to them. So when so um, when everybody started serving outdoors and putting in all of these mega, you know, um, you know, gazebos and canopies and umbrellas and taking over car parks, your takeout business collapsed. Oh, absolutely. We lost, uh, we lost since the Christmas, we lost 50% of our sales on just a takeaway doing. Now we lost another 50%, which we are down that now at the moment. We can't even cover our stuff. You see, behind this business is not just a business. Behind this business, there's four families, Neil, that are living and trying to survive. And they're trying hard not to let these people go because, like, I have three chefs. And behind these three chefs, there's eight children involved. Do you know what I mean? I know. I know. It's a a family that are trying to survive behind this. And I'm not blaming anybody or anything. But um, it's just. We have a great setup meal. Like, you have I mean, no outdoor facility at the Cladon. Not Barney. at the moment. Now, we are waiting. We did apply for a license. We were a little bit late to apply for the license. But all we're going to get, Neil, is probably, I don't know, maybe five tables out in front. I know. It's I on know. a footpath. That's not going to make a look. We will be happy to get this as well. But it's just so, my point is... So like, is your message, don't, don't desert the businesses that provided you with the takeout when that's all you had. Don't forget well, them. Exactly. Just don't for, still don't forget us. And I know, like, I mean, we lost a lot of um, business because we have a lot of workers coming, staying in Blarney, just a small sample. Why would a worker that works all day um, be coming and getting another takeaway from the container when he can sit in a hotel and have his meal served to him? But that, you know, we, we lost a great amount of customers because of that, which is, you know, we are happy that other businesses can do it and survive. But I'm just saying, like, still don't forget. Your How many can you take indoors? So, Neil, I have a great setup. So, with a meter and a half distance, I can set up 27 comfortably sitting there. I mean, and without I any setup. distancing? With distancing. Without distancing, I could probably squeeze about 35-ish inside, you know. 35 people? People, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Inside, indoor. I mean, it's a great setup, Neil. Like, I mean, I I really have a great compliment. Everybody felt safe in our place during the Christmas time. And, Neil, I was busy. I mean... I was busy and I, I just think like I'm getting three, four CVs a week. People are you're looking for the work. Everybody, you, our youth wants to work. I should be, it should be happy days. I should and this should be day. your busiest time in Blarney with the it castle and everything. Time. And That's the tour buses and all sorts of stuff. Neil, even if you didn't have the tourists, we can survive with our locals because, as I said, our locals are dying to get out. Everybody wants to sit down and have a meal. And with that being said, I should have another three girls, three boys working with me in the front. That will mean more income to the families. You know, it's just heartbreaking. Like I, I, and then if okay. I go to the desk every week, week by week, you're going into the minus and minus. You're not making money. You can't afford to hire people then when you're actually open because you're trying to catch up with what you lost. And tell me this, the Restaurant Association and the Vintners, well, last week anyway, they weren't happy with the vaccine pass to allow people in. Would you have been okay with uh, a vaccine search to allow people to dine indoors? But Neil, you know what, Neil, I, the way I see it, I think we probably are going to be pushed in a corner that we won't have a choice. 
I no, mean, but I mean, would you have been okay with a staff member on the door checking somebody's vaccine pass to let them in, eat indoors? Honestly, no. It's just so personal. It's, 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 I, I don't want to know the details. I don't want, that means I have to hire another person to actually do that job. Do you know what I mean? So it's just. But you, no. yeah, but it would make a huge difference to your business. You'd be, you'd, you'd start well, making money again. That's where I think we will be pushed in a corner that we probably end up going to have to accept this, even if you're not willing to do it. Same as, let's say, when they ask us to take all the details uh, of your customers last time to take what they drank, how much they stayed, and all this stuff. We were pushed. We didn't want to do that either, but we were pushed. We had to do it. Like, there's no there's no vaccine requirement, or you don't have to answer any question or show anything when you go into a UK restaurant or bar, for instance, or yeah, in, in New York. They should, or have faith. they should have faith in us. Like, I, I definitely think we are very very disciplined people and um, everybody's looking after themselves so like why why are we the only country in Europe that can do this I mean do they not believe in us do you know what I mean mm. it's just Mm. I just think every single place now, um, I, let's say I'm just going to talk about the Blarney. I know everybody has a great setup. Everybody has a, um, a great setup, a great control among how many people are coming in and everything. I just think they should have a faith in us a little bit more. And people are dying to get out, Neil. I mean, they're just dying to get out. And I think the people will obey the rules. Um, so just in order to be able to sit down and enjoy it with their family. Okay, okay, all right. It's, well, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, I just want to say thanks to everybody in Blarney that has been supportive, Neil. And, um, don't forget I mean, us. Been, don't, don't forget it. We, we were just unfortunate because we opened just 10 days before COVID happened and we were like, we were shut down then and we didn't come back until May with the takeaway. But it's just, people are just sick of takeaway, Neil. People just want to get out, have a lovely service, have a lovely meal and, and, and meeting with the family and the friends. And you see, we need everybody to open be open in order to do good. It's, it's like we need our lab books, we need our, uh, we need our all places in Blarney to be open so people will be going around and, and enjoy themselves. That's you know? right, to become a destination hub again. Well, listen, hopefully That's better it, times you know? ahead, but for now, thanks Mel. Actually, she's very right. That's Mel at the Cloud and Blarney. I mean, you look at the city and the super buzz in the city again over the weekend. You don't even need the good weather. It just needs to be reasonably dry and it's just fantastic. And a lot of this has to do with all of the streets now, pedestrianized and outdoor dining and it's just fantastic for people not just to be able to go out and eat outdoors but to mix with friends and also for your mental health and then you got the English market there and that's doing the business and that's so important as well because it's great to have fresh food on our doorstep. Podrick Hoare had an incredible article in the Examiner at the weekend. I'll come back to it later on where he was accentuating the positiveness of the city centre in spite of the many closures of the big international brands that we've heard of of late. Many of the businesses on Leaside that have been on Leaside for 80, 100 years or more, they're still there and they have the personal touch and they have the crack and they'll have the chat with you. An awful lot more than, I mean, 100% more than an online app will ever be capable of doing. But I think the city's never better. And we don't even need sunshine now to see how fantastic the city is. It really has woken up and we've learned big time that that's the way forward, really. As much outdoor as you can and fresh food offerings. Back after the break, text 0868-104-106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red. A couple of things you just need to be aware of. At the same time, I got a report uh, the back end of last week of, um, this is a text uh, using the terms like scumbag. Scumbag steals a handbag from a customer on Princess Street while the lady was having lunch. This fantastic chap came to the rescue and helped grab the scumbag along with two others. It took three people to keep the scumbag pinned down. 
table knocked over, guardy rang, uh, Lady Garda arrived on a bank on a bike. No chance with the scumbag. Paddy wagon then arrives. Garda took long enough to arrive, I can tell you. Also, the chap who helped got a round of applause from the rest of the diners on Princess Street. Security needed in Princess Street, both ends. Tell people, keep your items well hid, particularly the handbag or a purse or a mobile phone or a, on a table. Uh, so that was a more of a smash and grab, really. It was a snatch and grab. So be aware of that if you are outdoors. Keep an eye on your property because there are thieves about. Interestingly as well, I think some taxi drivers were very annoyed on Saturday night around about 11 o'clock. For years now, um, the taxis park up at the Imperial Hotel. People like taxis on the on the mall and they like taxis outside the Imperial Hotel. But for some strange reason, some guard came along and told every single one of them, move now or I'll prosecute every single one of you. Um, I was asking the question of the weekend as to, you know, were you, were you guys parked in traffic? Had you taken over a lane, line of traffic or what? I mean, they said, no, we were just parked in against, you know, the, the Imperial there just by the path. So I don't understand why they weren't left alone. I mean, they provide a service, particularly at night. Uh, I think anywhere you can get a, a taxi that's parked up safely is a good thing because it can get people home faster and safer. So that was a bit of a disappointment. But actually, law and order really is one thing, but rules and regulations. You see that story in the examiner, maybe you didn't, it was over the weekend. It was the Cork woman, Geraldine Nagel, who lives on the ban- on the Boring Manor Road. And I have a photograph of her wheelie bin. Uh, she got a €150 euro fine because the lid of her wheelie bin was not fully closed two slightly overloaded wheelie bins. I mean, what's the big deal? Um, as long as it's in the wheelie bin, you have paid for the service, right? Isn't it true? I mean, you wouldn't give back a bag of chips and a chipper if they overfilled it now, would you, for instance? You'd be delighted with yourself. So she's going to appeal that 100 euro, 150 litre fine. I mean, who'd even report her like? Was it the people doing the bins took the photograph and then refused to lift the bins? You couldn't make that stuff up, but there you have it nonetheless. And another bizarre one, I don't know why they even apologised, but there was an incident at the Oliver Plunkett. I picked this up on Cork Bio over the weekend, where the pub apologised to the customer, right? This diner went out with their friends to the Oliver Plunkett recently and whistled at staff to try and get service. Now, whistling at a staff member is the same to me as clicking your fingers. It's just not on. So security came over and said, you can't be doing that. You can't whistle at the waitstaff. Um, anyway, the punters then went online, or this one character went online and left a bad review on the Oliver Plunkett's social media page. He says, my friends and I were at the pub gathering. We finished and called the bar staff. We're from another country. It's common to whistle to call the waiter. We didn't know that it's not polite here. So the security approached and told us it was rude to whistle. It's not nice. Um, The manager responded to the review saying, it's uncommon in Ireland to whistle for service, but I understand and apologize if you misunderstood and we're not happy with the manner in which they responded. Once again, please accept my apologies. What did the Oliver Plunkett apologize for? Like, why would you apologize? Like, it makes no sense to me that you would apologize. Somebody whistles. I mean, you, you just tell them, whistling is not allowed. You can't whistle at anybody, whether it's for service or in a sexist manner. And you can't be clicking your fingers either. <clears throat> but apologizing? You apologize, man, for something a lot more serious than that. But you know, it is nonetheless. Anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. How would you react to somebody if somebody whistled you for service or clicked their fingers for service? Angela. 
Good morning, Neil. Thank you for holding. I appreciate it. You wanted to pick up on some callers earlier with regards to the UK. Yes, exactly. Yeah, go ahead. About not wearing masks from next week or whenever on. Okay, from the 19th of July, face masks will be a matter of choice. Yes. Discretionary. You won't, nobody will say anything to you in the UK if you ain't wearing a mask indoors. Exactly. Well, Neil, my family live in Leicester. I'm originally from Newbridge County, Kildare, but we all emigrated in the 60s. And I'm married here in Cove for the past 51 years. But the point I'm making is I have nephews and nieces almost my own age because I'm the youngest of eight. And I have a beautiful grandnephew, Daniel, who's only 33, his partner, Maxine, who's 30, and their beautiful five-month-old son, Frankie, all with COVID in Leicester. That's all one family, is it? All one family, yes. And I also have a second niece who has her son, Connor, in his early 20s with COVID. Now, we're messaging back and forth all weekend um, you know, keeping me updated because I'm their only aunt left now as all my siblings have passed. But I just think I don't want to be locked in anymore, Neil. I'd like to be out and about. My husband and I were cocooned throughout and we had lovely meals in the good weather downtown outside the Commodore in the Titanic. We don't want to be in, but we do everything as carefully as we can and to see this little baby now thankfully his symptoms aren't as bad as I suppose as you know but my my. Well, are, are any of the three of their symptoms bad? Yes um, Daniel has been very ill and is hopefully now over the weekend he's taken a little turn for the better they're not hospitalised they're at home and, you know, it's just been a very stressful weekend now, ringing and messaging back and forth. When, well, no hospital, no ICU, no, hospital. no ventilation, no respirators, no, no, just at home with, with no what? No vaccination either, Neil. They haven't received theirs yet. Mm. You see, they moved on in the UK. They moved on to the stage of we must learn to live with the virus. We must all continue to carefully manage the risks. We must all exercise judgment when we go about our lives. We're way behind any of that. We're still in the nanny state. Like, you think we should... I know that, Neil. I had COVID myself in November. I know exactly how people are feeling and no one prepares you for the anxiety. You see... The fear, of course, is this delta wave, this this fourth surge. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but, but but even that delta wave may not lead to hospitalisation. You see, it just yeah. it just will be a fourth wave of of COVID um, at a point when more and more people will be vaccinated, and those that want to remain indoors or do their own thing differently also have the choice to do that. Yeah. I hear you, Neil. I'm a member of the Cove Active Retirement Group. We were meant to be back this morning at our meeting in the fantastic community centre in Cove, which is a huge area. And we were told we could have 100. Now that the regulations changed again last week, we've had to postpone our opening until possibly the end of August, maybe 
the beginning of September. Okay, I don't have the number, and that's unfortunate, um, but I don't have the number for COVID positives in, in the UK. I just don't have that information, but I believe it's it's going up. Uh, oh, but but even even in spite of that, they are driving on with the relaxation of all of the regulations and the guidelines and July 19th. And, and, and they're they're fully aware of Delta, just like us. Their numbers are oh, going they up. They are. They just, are. Just indeed. like ours. And they're talking about the herd immunity business. But, you know, it's just such a worry. You think they're wrong, do you? I, I'm not saying they're wrong because I... Loved being out in the last few weeks, as I said, with the good weather. But I just think they could slow things down just a little bit. I mean, look at all the celebrations after the England match now and the huge crowds outside pubs. And it showed I'm on the Leicester site on Facebook. So I'd be familiar now with the celebrations and being a a Leicester City fan myself. You know, it's they had 24,885 cases on Saturday, 24 and a half, yeah, nearly oh 25,000. Um, yeah. And they had 15,000 um, this time last week. So the numbers yeah. doubled. So that's a big steep rise in a week, but it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be bothering them. No, they're just rocking on. Like, for instance, like you look at their, their first week in July, the UK, 4,000 uh, a day. Now, 24,500 a day. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Mark. Now, the symptoms seem to be much milder than we were first led to believe. We've all watched... Well, could you, imagine, yeah, could you imagine if we never gave out positive numbers, just stopped, and we only dealt with hospitalizations? Yeah. Well, maybe that would well, be a much more healthy... My keeps saying to me, my, the last of my sons now with numbers. vaccination yesterday. And, you know, my son, they're all saying to me, ma'am, the hospitals are the same. There's the same amount in hospitals. Don't be reading the bad publicity. Yeah, if we never had a daily amount of positives and we only had hospitalisation numbers, people would feel an awful lot more secure and maybe safe and a lot more optimistic, I believe. I believe, anyway. Yeah, well, we're doing our best to be optimistic, Neil. But it's very, very hard. As I said, you know, when you meet your friends from the active retirement that you haven't seen for months... uh, Probably we were told in March, we stood up in front of them in March last year and said, look, we'll be back in three weeks. And here we are now, what, 18 months down the road. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it was a way of keeping contact with one another. Oh, I know. I mean, people's mental health. Absolutely. It's so important. Okay. Out of time for now. Thanks for the call. Back after 10. Text 0868104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And you have opportunities to take yourself away, courtesy of ourselves and Maldron Hotels right across this week. And you can book Maldron Hotels. MaldronHotels.com and today we have the Maldron Hotel in Wexford two nights bed and breakfast for two people tomorrow it'll be Oran Moore and then we'll be going to places like Port Leash Dublin Airport and places like that so different Maldron Hotels every day this week so you can plan your dream escape with Maldron Hotels this summer so this morning we're featuring uh, bed and breakfast for two people, two nights, the Maldron Hotel down in Wexford. All right, so here is what we're using. <clears throat> I'm not going to open the phone lines just yet. It's just by way of illustration. You need to listen out and open the phone lines and to identify 
what we call this montage of songs. Have a listen. Kind of outdoorsy, sunny, holiday, dreamlike songs. Places, destinations, if you like. So we'll give them another couple of spins between now and 10 to midday. Open the phone lines, artists and titles in the correct order. Now, I want to do an awful lot of emails and texts held over from the back end of last week on different topics. All that's very important. And also, hopefully, have an opportunity to talk about flights out of Ireland to holiday hotspots after July 19th. I came across an interesting article in the Mirror over the weekend. The kind of prices you might be expected to pay after July 19th to the more popular sunshine destinations. And we'll come back to all of that and lots more besides. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. k good morning. Good morning, how are uh, you? You're living in the Netherlands. Yes, we are. Um, have you been there a few the years? Yeah, we, we've been here about three years. Okay. My husband is working here. Okay. So yeah, we're here about three and unfortunately possibly coming to an end um, later on this year. Okay, okay. So you enjoyed it then, your spell there? Absolutely love it. It's a super country. In spite really, of the really last enjoyed. 15 months. I mean, where, where are you at now? We're actually in an area called Nijmegen. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's about an hour, an hour and a half south of Amsterdam. Right. And what are the like? What are the restrictions, if any? Well, as I was saying earlier, um, since about a month ago, they have we can dine indoor restaurants, bars all open. Um, masks are only compulsory on public transport. Um, everything else is as it was, which is absolutely fabulous. You know, lovely feeling, great buzz around the place. It's great. Do you report on daily COVID numbers and hospital admissions and things? No, no, not at all. I think if you want to, you've got to look it up yourself. You okay. know, go find it. Do the media, so do the media announce it on radio and newspapers and things? Again, you know, like at home, uh, maybe a week or so before there's an announcement coming up, there is talk about it on the TVs and radio. So you don't but know a daily know. figure for uh, the Netherlands? No, no. As I said, if I wanted to get one, yeah, I could go on to their gov.nl. But um, I don't tend to, I must confess. Because we're preoccupied with the numbers here. A little, maybe. 562, <laughs> yeah, I, 562 yesterday, yeah. 48 in hospital, 14 in intensive care. Yeah. Is that... Yeah, and I did hear that. I did, because I do keep an eye on it at home. So I was aware of that, but yeah, okay. not here. Okay, so you have no idea where you guys are at with this Delta variant. And uh, what, what, do you know... Do they give out the amount of numbers of people vaccinated, for instance, like 50, Again, 50%, we hit the 50% yeah. of people fully vaccinated this week, for instance. Right. OK, I think we're very similar to Ireland. We seem to be going on a par with you guys. So, yeah, I would imagine they're after hitting the 50% at okay. this stage as well. Okay. And do they and know in the Netherlands how many people died? Again, I haven't seen any numbers recently, so I would be no good to you in that sense because, the pop- as I said, they're, they're well, not bombarding us. Okay, what them. is the population? Um, about 17 million. 17? In the Netherlands at the moment, yeah. And it's only about the size of Munster, so <laughs> it's a lot of people. A lot of people in close proximity, of which nearly 18,000 died. Yeah, okay. And 1.7 million positive cases. Big numbers. But yet... Big 
everything is normal apart from masks on buses? Apart from now, again, people aren't being stupid, Neil. You know, I said like we were out over the weekend. And again, if we see a crowded place, we won't tend to go in ourselves. Having said that, you know, all the restaurants, bars, etc., they all over here is 1.5 metres. So they have everything set up to 1.5 metres. So you're not literally sitting beside, you know, on top of anybody else. And again, some people who are serving you may wear masks. Majority don't. And as I said, the only time we see it is on the trains or anything like that. You know, you have to wear your masks there. But as I said, people, I believe people are just being sensible. Are you back to hugging, shaking hands? Yeah, yeah, they do that. Again, Neil, it's not maybe so overtly as it used to be but there are definitely people yeah you know maybe friends meeting up that will hug or you know sometimes they will do the elbow but there's definitely hugging amazing isn't it yeah it is amazing 35% of the Netherlands (coughs) has been fully vaccinated I'm just getting your numbers right so you're 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 fairly behind us I have to say but yet way ahead of us then and where you're at with regards to going back to the way things were Yeah, and I think it's just a case of people are trying to live with it. You know, I think they're being sensible. I mean, I know where my husband works, they're still wearing masks indoors, but outdoors, no. And I think people are just trying to live with it, basically. That's from what I can gather. Learning to live with it, which is what they're saying. And and what do you think, looking on to where we're at here back home, what do you make of it? Again, it's a hard one, Neil. I personally think people need to live with it. You know, I genuinely believe you can't keep your life on hold. I don't feel it's good for you mentally, as we've all been saying for so long. I think people need to just live their lives and just be sensible and use common sense. And, you know, don't go anywhere if you're not happy with it. You know, let it be your decision. But you do need to get up and get out and just try and have some kind of a normal existence in my opinion. Okay. Lovely talking to you, Kay. Thank you so much for taking the call in the Netherlands. Not at all. You take care. Have a great day. Lovely chatting with you. You too. God bless. Brian says, I was listening to his show on Friday. I actually listened to the podcast, he said, with regards to Ballyno Nursing Home um, and and I felt it necessary to write this email regarding Ballyno Nursing Home. First off, I would like to offer my sincere condolences and we had some sad stories on Friday's programme. Sincere condolences to all those who have lost a loved one through this uh, terrible time. But listening to your discussion, this sensitive topic on the radio, I'm compelled to say um, you should have a bit more empathy towards the staff at this nursing home. These hardworking individuals are being vilified across the country right now after prime time. And we have to remember the way they are suffering and their parents and kids are listening to the broadcasting of this absolutely sad situation. Please add some balance and comfort to everyone involved in this unfortunate situation on your daily radio show. Okay, well, thank you for that. Unfortunately, you didn't see the balance that I tried to put into it on Friday on a number of occasions. I spoke how things were going so well for Ballyno, and they were. They were on the air with me, and they were COVID-free, and then, bam, come January of this year, of course, all of that changed. Uh, Can you please help me to find a group of lads who helped me on Wednesday evening, 5 o'clock? I was broken down on the Kinsale Road roundabout in the middle lane. Oh, that must have been a head wreck coming from the city. Drive time. Couldn't get my car to start at all. I was holding up traffic everywhere. A van pulled up with a Sorensen sign on it. Three or four lads hopped out and offered to push me out of the way. I was so grateful, but they were gone again before I could really say thank you. 
I'd love if they could be found and if you could thank them for me. Uh, any help would be great. Well, if they're listening or somebody knows them, then perhaps someone will text me 0868104106 and I'll pass on that information to you. But it's also always, always great to hear of those that do come to people's assistance. All too often we hear the ones that don't. Maureen says, just wondering how the listeners feel about being served wine in a non-sealed bottle that is meant for water in a restaurant at 28 euro. No tap water available, just a 200 millimeter can at more than 250 each. Are the restaurants robbing customers trying to recoup their losses? You were served wine in a non-sealed water bottle. What's that about? Like, <laughs> like, are you saying you got the bottle of wine decanted into a Volvic bottle or something? At 28 euro? More information on that, please. My name is Regan, maybe Reagan, from up north, but currently living in Chicago. I listen to your show quite a lot as I used to work and live in Cross Barry. I'm just emailing you to tell you about the amount of Americans who told me they have cancelled their flights to Ireland this summer as they're so confused as to what the Irish government is playing at. The continuing closure of Irish pubs and restaurants is turning American tourists away from visiting Ireland. I know COVID was bad in the States, but we're wide open here and don't need these passport vaccine things or whatever they're called to go out and eat and drink. Over here, it's a case of your body, your entitlement as what you do with it. I haven't taken a vaccine as I don't feel comfortable with it. But for God's sake, Ireland, you're the only country in the world with such strange ways of dealing with COVID. And you have to open up and live with it. You're ruining the country. You're ruining the economy. And you're ruining tourism, which is suffering greatly and may never come back. Coming from Northern Ireland, I always wanted a united Ireland. But honestly, the way the Irish government is behaving, I think I'm better off with the border backup, says Regan McShane in Chicago. And one other email uh, ahead of the break. Long time listener, but I'm getting tired of listening to Neil these days and find myself listening to alternatives. All I've heard over the past few weeks is the hotel industry this and the hospitality industry that. All these businesses are crying that staff are not returning to previous employment. Why? In my opinion, those that have been forced to go on PUP, coupled with rent supplements payments, they're probably getting paid more now than they ever did and have probably realised what a half-decent wage should be but isn't in hospitality. Why should they go back to low-paid, highly abusive industries that treat staff like dirt? I've worked in these industries for most of my years in Cork and Dublin, so I do have experience. Great people, i.e. the staff you're working with, but run by people that have little or no skill with managing people. Maybe next time Neil gets advice from the pub self-appointed mouthpieces, you can ask them what percentage of their staff are on minimum wage and how long have they been on minimum wage? RedFM.ie, Hospitality Industry PR Radio. Becoming boring and repetitive. Most of the staff don't want to go back as they know they'll be in the firing line for COVID infection. Hotels, pubs and restaurants are central gathering points for larger than normal amounts of people. Well, if you add alcohol to the mix and the stupidity of us Irish after drink, then the infections will follow. I long left this industry to join possibly a worst one. On a final note, the security industry has never stopped working and has never been recognised as an essential service. All the parties are gathering in student accommodation. It was security staff that went in and broke them up under instruction never to contact the Gardaí. Break up the parties yourselves. These men and women kept businesses protected while shut down. We stood at the doors of supermarkets, putting ourselves at risk. It would be nice if they were mentioned. 
No problem with my name being mentioned, and I would gladly welcome a call to discuss this with Neil. Well, Gary, I don't know if anybody called you. Perhaps they did. I don't know, but I'm, I'm reading out the, the email, which, which is, can I just say on that number, on that topic, you say that it's boring and repetitive, but yet you fired me off a two-page two email, which I then read out. So you're part of the conversation, the narrative yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? I hope that point hasn't been lost on you. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. I'm going to mix it up as best I can. I'll come back to those texts and emails throughout the course of the morning. But back to the phone lines we go. Gareth, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay. You are yet another one of these victims of scam calls. Are you getting many of them? Um, no, I actually only got that particular one, and that was last Thursday from an 085 number. Okay, it could be an 085, it could be an 087, it could be an 083, yep. it could even be an 021 or an 01. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's just um, when they when they rang me, um, it was actually an automated message that said my PPS number had been compromised. And it was it was difficult to make out because the English was kind of broken, but it mentioned something about the North Dublin area. And they only gave one option, and it was press one, so your call would be transferred. Did you? Uh, I did press one just out of curiosity, but I was kind of the un- under the uh, intention that it was a scam because I said, look, someone from social welfare isn't going to be calling me on a mobile number. And what was it? I mean, it was broken English, you say, but what was the gist of the conversation? Or, sorry, the message? It was that my PPS had been compromised, and I was to get in touch with the Department of Social Welfare and Protection and that it was, it had something to do with the North Dublin area. That's pretty much the gist of it. Has nothing to do with the hacking of the HSE or anything like that? I'm just curious, no? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't really believe in coincidence and it could very well be something to do with the HSE hacking. And when you pressed one, what happened next? Um, The call was transferred to a uh, foreign national and uh, again her English was quite broken and as soon as I heard that I said yeah this is a scam and I just disconnected and what, is, what was she trying to say to you before you disconnected uh, she was looking for my PPS number she said she was from the Department of Social Protection and what was my PPS number and I was like no I'm not going to just be giving out personal information like that so it was just a quick disconnect then and you, you don't. You, I mean, you're kind of half worried. Do they have your mobile number? Where in actual fact, they they probably don't. They just generate the numbers. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just we're getting into a case now where technology is moving on so much, and hackers they're getting more clever every time. And you just have to be so vigilant these days and be so protective of of your personal information. Without a doubt. And thank you for that, Garth. With that in mind, actually, I have Conor Pope, who wrote an incredible, very, very strong and powerful and well-researched article in the Irish Times on Saturday. He's their consumer affairs correspondent. He joins me by phone. Conor, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Um, And I also read at the weekend that we are the second most likely citizens in all of the EU, just behind Greece, to be scammed with these phone calls. And they're becoming a lot, yeah. an awful lot more complicated. What's going on? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different things at play here, and it's almost creating a perfect storm. First, you have the pandemic, and you have an awful lot more people at home, and an awful lot, more, an awful lot more people on their on their devices. That's one thing. And but another thing is, it's become so simple for scam artists to run this scam because there was, and just 
to put your last caller at, at, at ease, as you were saying, there's no question that somebody has his mobile phone number, right? And no, no, when you get a call from all these uh, uh, operators, they don't have your phone number. They're just generating numbers randomly and they're calling you repeated. They're calling tens of thousands of numbers, if not hundreds of thousands of numbers. And all they want is to get one person or two people to give them financial details and then it becomes worth their while. Okay. You you say that they're using a thing called robocall software where they're exactly are they really dialing thousands of numbers no, simultaneously no, at the same time? No, not at all. And you see, what, basically, this all is based on uh, caller ID spoofing. And what, what what the guys can do, or what people can do, is they can call from any number anywhere in the world and make it look like it's coming from 083-123-1235. Or they can make it look like it's coming from the Office of the Attorney General or from the Department of Social Protection. And there's this open open source software that you can download from the internet, cheap as chips, might even be free, Uh, it is probably free, and that will allow you to create these uh, uh, spoof numbers. Um, So that's why they're happening now. And what they do is they just... They, they hit a bank of numbers simultaneously using their, uh, their, their computer software and they will ring 10,000 numbers in the space of five minutes. And that's why it's becoming extremely difficult for the mobile phone operators to do anything about this. And that's why there's a little pause, actually, isn't there, when you answer the call? Exactly. Once you answer the call, the, 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 the voice message clicks in. And then you press one. And if you press one, it's at that point you're diverted to a real person gotcha. at the end of the phone yeah, line. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and all, the, as I say, is all they need is one or two people every day to fall victim to the scam and they're making money on it. So ah. it, it, and, and the operations are becoming easier because the open source, the open source to- software is there to make it easier. Um, and this is kind of the same principle as the phishing scams of you know, the 1990s or, or, or the last decade when you'd get your email from the you know, the daughter of a sub-Saharan prince who That's died and he had a suitcase full of blood diamonds. Um, and one of the interesting things about this, you or I might listen to one of these automated calls that you get. And it comes from this plummy British accent saying that law enforcement are on the way to arrest me because there's my PPS numbers being compromised. And I'm kind of thinking, who could fall for that? Because one of the things about law enforcement is they don't give you a heads up no. when they're coming to arrest you. No. Right? So it's kind of ridiculous. But they deliberately set the bar very low because they don't want people who are cynical or who might be calling into question the scam to waste their time. So they make it seem as implausible as possible. And that way, when they do get one or two or three people on the line or on the hook or whatever you might want to call it, then they know those people are more susceptible to crime and as a result, are more likely to become a successful target for that crime. And is there a particular age group then that are more susceptible to falling victims to these characters? Well, if I was to ask you uh, what, which age group there is, but if I was to ask you which age group you think it is, would you say the older age group or the younger age group? I, I would, but I know the answer to this, having read your article, I'd be wrong, wouldn't I? Yes, it is. It's actually a younger cohort are more likely to fall victim to these deaths. Um, and like, and I can understand it because like they have the same modus operandi across the board. Once you get on the line to them, there's this kind of sense of urgency. You need to act now, and if you don't act now, you could end up losing a lot of money and have to do X, Y, and Z. And it is actually really distressing to see so many people all over the world because this is not a uniquely Irish phenomenon. Like in in the US, they estimate that around thirty billion dollars is lost every year 
as a result of these kinds of scams. That's a skyrocketing amount of money. Uh, in Australia, in 2020, the uh, Consumer Protection Commission there estimates that around 800 million dollars was lost as a result of these scams. So we're not talking about uh, small amounts of money, and there isn't any reliable data here. But it's really important to stress that no blame or no fault is on the victims of these scams. So I'm not suggesting for any way that people are, are, are should be wise enough to, to test this out. All of the blame is on the perpetrators of the scam. And the reality is they're just not going to go away. So the big, big tip, the big, only piece of advice that anybody needs to know is that nobody from a reputable organisation is ever, ever, ever going to call you and ask for your bank details or your PPS number. Full stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, 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 you say this cannot be stopped. It can't be stopped by a comreg. It can't be stopped by the phone companies. Not, it can't be, like, what about it's the banks? Difficult. It's very difficult. Now, one of the things I suggested to, I spoke to, I spoke to all the phone operators over the course of the last week. And one of the things I was, I was wondering was, could you put in place the same kind of spam filter that you have for email nowadays? Because nowadays you don't get to see all those ridiculous emails, uh, that you get from the, as I say, the Nigerian prince or the, you know, the guy from ooh, the suitcase full of diamonds or whatever it might be. Because all of that stuff, or like Google, for instance, it, it, all of that stuff goes into your spam folder in, in Gmail or in your work mail mm-hmm. according to your spam folder. I was wondering if something would something like that be possible. But the thing is, because the computer software that they use to run these spam phone calls is so simple to access, all they need to do is change the phone number by one digit every three minutes. And it becomes extremely difficult then for the phone operators to keep up. So, you know, what they've done in the United States is, and they only did this last Thursday, they've introduced new regulations from the Federal Communications Commission. They've introduced new regulations um, to, to make it more, to, to put the onus on the mobile phone operators to do more to stop these calls. But it's kind of more complicated in this country because in the US, a lot of the, a lot of the cold calls, a lot of the mobile calls are coming from within the United States. Whereas here, there's the European Union is 27 different countries. You'd need them, them all to be operating in sync. Comrade wouldn't be able to do it on their own. And it's just more complicated. And the, co- and the calls that we're getting, are they from countries all over the world? Because many people Absolutely. refer to people having an e- a, a, a accent of a person from India, for instance. It doesn't, like, it could, like, they could be coming from the UK, they could be coming from the United States, they could be coming from India, Africa, wherever. There's no... There's, 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 you know, it, it, it's wherever criminals operate. And as you know, criminals operate everywhere. And when they clean out your bank account, is there any onus of responsibility on the bank for allowing this to happen? Well, the difficulty there is the banks will accept responsibility if it's, if you, if it's not your fault. Like, and the essence is, if I give my bank details to you and you clean out my bank account... That's my fault. I have given you my yeah. bank details. Yeah. So if my if my bank details are compromised in another way, or if my credit card, for instance, is cloned, well, then that's a different story, and the bank will give you the money back and there's no question back. But if I actually give you my bank details, well, then ultimately the responsibility is on me. Now, there are ways that if, 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 if something terrible happens, and this is the other piece of advice, never be afraid or embarrassed of reporting this to the authority. Because one of the other elements of this particular crime is it does come with a sense of, shame or mortification. People feel embarrassed for having been duped. Yeah, I know. I but know. you shouldn't feel embarrassed because this is what the criminals do. This is how they make their living. So there is no victim blaming or victim shaming here whatsoever. So if you have been the victim, or if, if you've given away, given away your PPS number and you realise, oh God, I shouldn't have done that. 
call the police. Call your bank if you've given them financial. But if you only if you only give your PPS number, what can they do with that? Very little, and that's a good question because there's like my PPS number is just a, it's a line of numbers, okay, with a with a letter at the end of it. It's, it's not like it's of any value on its own. But what the criminals then do is they start to piece together information about you for identity theft. So let's say you're on. Let's say you, you give them your your your. Let's say you give them your name and your PPS number, okay? And suddenly the criminals have a, a kernel of information that they can operate on. So then they go, okay, well, I'm going to look up social media. I'm going to find out. Uh, I have his name. I know where he lives. I have his PPS number. They will slowly piece together a profile of you and then use that profile to set up multiple frauds with your name. Now, that's the worst case scenario with the PPS mm, number thing. Mm. So I wouldn't have to alarm people. Um, but it is, it is, that's how they operate. That's why they want your PPS number. It's to build up a, 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 a character that they can use for identity theft. So then they might be able to find out your mother's maiden name because it might be on Facebook. Or they might be able to find out your pet name because it's on Facebook. And then they might have your password for your email account. And slowly, they, got, they have these people. And they're not, they're not, uh, like uh, Sherlock Holmes here, they're not like super brainy, but they, but you know, it, they just they piece together the, the information, and an awful lot of that information we just give away ourselves. You know, that's the reality. So, when you talk of a game of cat and mouse, which this is, is because they change the numbers constantly and they tweak the numbers as we discussed. You're saying this is never going. There's no silver bullet to this, is it? It's just, just no, you no, just no, give no, advice no. as to how to stay safe. Yeah, this is the, the one silver bullet. And it is a silver bullet, it's common sense. And that's why I always keep coming back to the fact that nobody is ever going to look for your PPS number or your bank account details on a cold call. It's just never going to happen. So if you, if, if you are, if all of your listeners arm themselves with that one fact, mm. well then they're going to be protected. So you just, if ever anybody calls you looking for personal information, it's a scam. And there is no circumstance when it's not a scam. Banks do banks do call though, um, particularly if like if your mortgage is overdue, the bank will call and they will ask you questions about your about security. But, but what they won't do is they won't ask for your bank details because they'll have your bank details. Uh, they won't ask for your credit card details because that's irrelevant. They will ask they for your ask home address. They will ask for your date of birth. Uh, now, sometimes you will get a call like that. And, say, uh, and I, if I've ever got a call like that, the, the other thing you can say is, well, can I just call you back? Good answer. And then you get yeah. the number of your bank and you call the back and say, and what, what no, and, and I've had those calls. Um, not, not, not because my, I was defaulting on my mortgage, but I've had those calls from my bank. And sometimes when you get a call like that, they say, um, you, the first thing you say, well, I don't know who you are. And they say, well, you know, you can call us back. Johnny is my name. Um, and you, you, you call the regular bank uh, channel and you say, can I speak to Johnny in customer support? Or whatever it might be. Okay. So what you don't do is you don't accept a call from a number, even if it looks legit, and just go with it on that basis. Okay. So I'll give out the other tips that you give in the Irish Times. You're saying no bank government authority or any agency or any reputable business will call you on the phone looking for bank details or PPS and the guards will never call you to tell you they're on their way to arrest you. Yeah, it seems silly to even have to say it. But listen, that, that, the criminals prey on our, uh, on our vulnerabilities. 
Thanks, Connor. Appreciate you taking the call. As always, cheers. Connor Pope, Consumer Affairs Correspondent of the Irish Times. Sorry about the quality of that phone line. So he does give other tips, actually, and they're they're common sense when you as he says when you read them or call them out but be aware of multiple calls or missed calls from unfamiliar numbers any of those actually you should just automatically block them although what is the point in blocking them when they just tweak the numbers anyway and you'll just end up well maybe maybe it's just a good way to be keep maybe if you keep blocking the numbers it also keeps it in your mind to be vigilant if you call one back by mistake hang up immediately on calls if no one answers or if you're left on hold never give personal information to a call caller ever no bank government authority or other agency or business will call you looking for bank details or your pps if you get a call from sierra leone or cuba and you don't have anyone living there Don't call back. Don't answer it. It's a scam. If you get a message telling you the guards are on their way to arrest you, it's a scam. If you have shared private information, do not delay. If it's financial details, contact your bank immediately and always contact the guards. Your thoughts on that are welcome, particularly if you've been victims of a scam. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Uh, text her following my conversation uh, with the caller in the Netherlands. He says, ah, Neil, I don't know, it might be male, it might be female. Ah, Neil, 35% of Holland is fully vaccinated. That's two jabs each. They are not miles behind us, as you suggested. Well, I mean, that's that's in the eye of the beholder, I suppose. They're, they're at 35% fully vaccinated. This week, we will pass 50% of the population fully vaccinated. That sounds to me as if they're miles behind us. They're at 35, we're at 50. And by the 19th of July, we'll have 57% of the population vaccinated fully. So to me, they are miles behind us. We're, I think they're saying nearly 350,000 vaccines were administered last week. I'd love to talk to people actually who are texting or calling pharmacies looking for an appointment. If you're in with the, if you're within the 18 to 34 year old or if you have a son or a daughter, I'd love to know actually how many vaccines pharmacies actually have on this Monday morning or for the week ahead. Just on scams, I read an interesting article on Saturday in the Telegraph because you know, it, it's not just phone calls that you're going to be getting or probably are getting. And, and, I'll, and I'll talk to callers on this in a second, but they also target particular times of the year and I don't know whether it's coincidental that somebody might get a dodgy text on the day of their birthday or leading up to their birthday but they certainly get them at Christmas time right and more people get these dodgy texts more so than ever because they're at home and what's happening at home you're having more stuff delivered at home and you're getting more parcels and presents at Christmas time and if they have the knowledge and sometimes they can have your date of birth they will send you a text around your birthday saying that they want to deliver a package or a parcel. But there is a fee outstanding and you need to click this link. Now, it could be the post office or on post here. It could be, and I'm not saying it's on post. I'm just saying it could be. It could be a courier company. You click the link, you owe two ninety nine, or you miss the parcel and for them to re-deliver it. Two ninety nine. You might be tempted to do that because you're getting a lot of stuff delivered at home anyway. It's coming up to your birthday. It's Christmas time and you could be getting a gift from somebody. So you go in and you click the link and it looks legit and you pay the two ninety nine. Um, a little later on in the day then, you'll be contacted by a call to say that you were scammed that the 299 wasn't real and they're calling from the bank to say you need to move your money and they say we need to move your money now 
to a secure deposit account um, and we need to move it. So you need to give us your passwords to move the money before the scammers take the rest of your dosh. So you think it's legit, you think it's your bank, you give your passcodes and the scammers then hoover everything. Not just the two ninety nine, but everything out of your bank account. So it's um, you've got caught there with the double whammy, the original text and the follow up phone call. That's the kind of stuff that's going on. And is it any wonder that some people get confused? Dan, good morning. Hello. Oh, can you hear me? Good man. Um, talk to me. But you got a? Did you get a phone call? Um, I got a few calls there last week there, and um, I, I had missed calls, and I tried to ring him back, and when I rang him back. It just didn't, there was nothing no reply back there. That I should say that we let the customer know that we'll ring you back, like, as a missed call. Oh, yeah, there'll be some kind of uh, automated message saying, sorry, I missed your call, but there was nothing. And you didn't recognize the numbers, did you? No, there were OA3 numbers. And then an hour afterwards, I got a call off an OA5 number, and I hung up. And that afternoon, I got a call off an O two one number, and they said, "This is the social welfare department." Oh, for God's sake! Um, um, we just have information that you're a drug dealer and you're laundering money. And can we have your PP number? Was this an actual voice or a voice message? A voice message. Uh, 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 it was a personal, personal on the other side. A live call. Yeah. Okay. A and uh, well, how did you react to that? That you were a drug dealer? I just hung up the phone. You clearly knew, firstly, that you weren't a drug dealer, and if you were, they wouldn't be ringing you. No, that's that's correct, yeah. And, and all, yeah, all the week, I, I'm getting all English calls, and I, I, I'm just after blocking them because I don't know who they are because I was scammed before out of 5,200 sterling. Oh, Dan, do you mind me asking that was, how that happened? That was... Two years ago, there about a digger. I was on the radio about that. Oh, I vaguely remember. Yeah, what was that again? Were you buying? Buying, buying a digger, and I got uh, two uh, five thousand two hundred sterling, and I, I got nothing back. Nothing. The banks wouldn't cover nothing, and I went to the guards, and they sent all the the information to the. the police in England and I got nothing back Just for those people that may not remember it and only half remember it myself you were looking to buy a digger was it? That's right yeah and um, there was a, there was um, they were selling on on the on the done deal so uh, I bought one and yeah, I got all the transactions to him and to an email Was this in England uh, it was wasn't it? It was in England yeah and I record uh, the coronavirus you couldn't go over and visit or see it that if you pay the money, we'll deliver it. And I transferred 5,200 sterling and ah. I got a date that it'd be delivered on the the, the, the the 2nd of April and then it was the 5th of April and then it'd be on Wednesday, the 8th of April or something. And after that, I got no more emails back. Oh, God. Yeah. He said the lobby broke down and I was transferred onto a different lobby now and it's on its way to you. Never got nothing back. But get back to this. And when did the trail go cold? Then they just stopped responding. Is it? Yeah, yeah. On the as a day or something on the Wednesday, I was supposed to be delivered a half three. I got the more the more emails. I did the more the more contact. Oh my god! I remember that phone call. Oh my god! So, that's just so criminal. Last week there was all English numbers then ringing me as well, and I knew it was probably scams, and I blocked them all. But 
what I'm saying now, I'm after blocking them. I have a family in England. I have daughters and grandchildren in England. And I can be blocking them. Yeah, I know. I know. But they, if you are, they'll text you. It, well, they would text me, but I've, they, I've, I've, I'm all blocked. All the English numbers that I have blocked. They'll text you if they're looking for you, you know? They will. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't be yeah. worried about that. In fact, I don't even know why we bother blocking because they just, they can, they can randomly simulate new numbers, thousands of them, no problem in seconds. So, oh, <laughs> and there's no point changing your phone number either, I would think. No, it's no use changing your phone number because I don't know how they got my phone number because I don't use my phone. The only time I use my phone is ringing the doctors about my hips because I'm still waiting for two new hips. I know, I know. So I just want people to know that they are out there scamming and that's the phone call that I got that I was a drug dealer and money laundering. And, and was, their in, was their English pretty bad? No, it was, it was very good English. I see. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, my man. Listen, um, right. thanks no, for no, sharing. No. Thanks for the heads up as no. always. I remember the original call regarding the JCB five and a half grand sterling bought during COVID, can't visit, send us the money, we'll send you the JCB. It's fine to say, you know, looking on, saying, oh my God, how could you fall for, fall for something like that? But it happens. And it's happening. And the figures around the world are, are incredible. Like in America, $30 billion. $30 billion in 2020. And it's happening in Australia too. Half a billion in 2020. I mean, it's an awful lot less than America. But I don't have the numbers for, for Ireland. But... I don't know whether anybody has true caller on their phone. Sometimes true caller can be an, a bit of a nuisance in itself, actually. But a lot of the time, if you have this true caller function on your phone, it will tell you in advance of a scam. Um, it's not as effective now because the scammers are using Irish mobile numbers, as in prefixes, and they're using local area codes, so it's probably not being picked up by true caller. Anyway, back to the phone as we go. one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Magda, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, and again, uh, we keep getting dragged back to COVID and vaccinations and yes, blinded yes, by numbers and preoccupation with positive cases. Go on. Yeah, that's yeah. the main topic everywhere. Now, I just want to make a comment and I just don't understand the hassle here in Ireland with all the vaccinations and availability because um, I was able to actually get vaccinated in, over in Poland. I went to Poland in a foreign student's event with the family. For a what? Sorry, you went anyway. to, where did you go? However, to Poland. Yeah. Yeah, so when I went over to visit my family, I was able to get um, a vaccine and I was able actually to choose which one I would like to get. So there was availability of a Pfizer, of Johnson, of Moderna, of AstraZeneca. So basically you call the phone line and um, they will actually direct you to uh, places where the availability of the the, the vaccine is. So I choose uh, Johnson, which is the one shot with no problem, five minutes job, and this, that's it. We're done and dusted. At the moment, they provide buses uh, around the country for people to actually get in and get vaccinated as soon as possible. Um, and like, what age group are you in? I'm in my 40s. Okay. Um, and could anybody just pick up the phone at any age? At any age, at the moment, they actually start vaccinating people under uh, over 12, I think, in Poland. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so did you get, you, you got the J&J, &J, which is yes. only one shot, so you're yes. fully vaccinated. Uh, yes. Are you back here now? 
I am back here in Ireland. I also got my um, cert uh, printed. Um, you were able, if you were over in Poland, you are actually do have an app where you register with the app and then you have all your data in the app. So your vaccinations, your um, history, your medical history and stuff like that. So, so this is the digital passport that was rolled yes. out on the 1st of July. You yes. have that now. I have that now, yeah, yeah. When yeah. did you get that? When did you get the jab? Um, that was almost four weeks ago. Okay, and when did you get that? When did that arrive into your inbox? Um, it didn't arrive in my inbox, the, the digital passport. It, it was actually printed on at the same time. The European Union digital passport was printed for you yeah, four with weeks the QR ago. Code. Yeah, you could have it on the paper or you could have it in the in the app. Yeah. And you have a QR code, which is the yes, series of yes, black lines. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And will, won't there come a stage where you will have it on your phone? I'd say, yeah, probably when the, 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 the app will be available in Ireland, which probably will take another few months, I'd say. No, I don't know about months. <laughs> I think weeks, in fairness. I mean, it's bad, but in fairness. <laughs> it's got to be it's got to be here by the 19th of July. <laughs> Oh because my people goodness, I think f- by the 19th of July, I think it's going to be a big mess. <laughs> so how did Poland get all that so... How are they so efficient about it? I really don't know. They are kind of really pushed um, over people. Like People are determined to like, kind of go back to normality. The people are determined to travel. Um, and I think everyone wants to get the the jobs done and, you know, move forward. So, What does the search say? Pardon? What does it say? What do you mean? What does it say? It's got, I mean, it's got your name on it. Does it have a photograph of it you has on my it? Na- yeah, no, it doesn't have a photograph, no. But it has my name, it has a date of the vaccination, and it has your date of birth. Does it have an EU stamp on it or anything? Yes, it has, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? So, how can they prove that it's you if there's not a photograph of you on it? I think once you, they probably scan your barcode, I presume, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't used it yet, but I presume when you scan the barcode, all the data is there. So you'll probably date of birth, your address and everything. Okay, so you won't be able to use that unless you went out of the country to use it. Yes. All right. Okay. Okay. Which I hope it will happen after 19 of July. Okay. So this is the first person I've spoken to so with an EU digital passport. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. So I, I hope everyone would be able to get it as soon as possible. All right. And I hope all the pharmacies will be able to stock um, the vaccines for all. Okay, the- I'm going to check and see if we're getting texts yeah. in from people who've been getting in touch with pharmacies or pharmacists because the first call this morning was a pharmacy that had no vaccines for the 18 to 34 year olds, even though it starts this morning. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. a bit it's a bit chaotic, but there you go. Thanks, Magda. It Thanks is. so much. No Cheers. Take, Take care. care. Right Bye-bye. across this week, we have uh, lovely breaks to give away, courtesy of MaldronHotels.com. You can book your own dream escape at MaldronHotels.com. Uh, and take in the beautiful landscapes, hike through the lush green hills and catch the sundowns by the sea in any of the modern hotels. So t- now that could be Galway, Wexford, Dublin, Port Leash. But today it's Wexford, the modern hotel Wexford, two nights bed and breakfast for two people. So when I open the phone lines, artists and titles in the correct order. Have a listen. Destinations, if you like. Destinations. Back after 11 on 1850-104-106. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my... Mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM.
Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Lovely article in the Examiner on Saturday by Podrick Hoare. He was talking about Cork's uh, shopping crisis. What crisis? Well... We might have heard of Gap bailing out and we know of Debenhams and Monsoon and Oasis and Topshop and Topman and Miss Selfridges and Warehouse. They're all of the casualties. But while the big players go, um, the smaller retailers and those that have been with us on this, in the city for many years um, continue to uh, trade. And it's a lovely article, actually, and he talks with a few of the different businesses involved. And I love the fact that, you know, when you when you talk about the likes of uh, Tom Murphy at Tom Murphy's Menswear or uh, Marion Creighton Hagerty or um, Morley Suthire, John Wallace in there or Con Murphy's down the road or even he has a chat with Dee Newman who's the personal shopper inside in Brown Thomas. All of these are individuals, human beings that will chat with you and ask you the time of day or say, you know, he's... Lovely quotes like, long time no see, kid. How's the family? Is your niece in college already? I remember her when she was a smallie like yesterday. The kind of customer service you used to get years ago. When you get it now, it blows you away. Well, it's still on Lee's side because why? Because that's Cork. Chatting about the weather. Jazz is as Baltic out there, isn't it? Isn't it? And they're there for you. In fact, there's part of the article actually talks with one, I don't know whether it was Tom Murphy's or, or Con Murphy's, where they were taken suit sizes by Zoom or Skype in Australia <laughs> to send a suit out there. I mean, I think it's just fantastic. It's Cork. There is a village feel in a modern city. Um, and it just, it's just bigging up Cork that there is no shopping crisis in spite of the fact that we might lose some of the bigger uh, retail uh, outlets. But the actual soul of the city is in the Cork businesses themselves. Fabulous. Um, and uh, well done for that. It's uh, just because there's a great buzz in the city and it's lovely to be part of it when you're in there. Um, a lot of different texts from Friday's programme on, on nursing homes that we discussed because, of course, we had the primetime show on, on Thursday night. We'll come back to that in a couple of seconds. But James is holding on and he's uh, standing by over in, in Ballangiri. James, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I was well. I'm well. I was talking about that gig in um, in Kilmainham. Five and a half thousand people at a gig in Dublin yesterday. And you wanted to pick up on that? Well, I was, yeah. And I was absolutely delighted that everyone that went into the gig tested negative. They got an antigen test on the way in, you see, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I was delighted that everybody that everybody tested negative. But, like, it's amazing that a very, very small percentage of, of, of those young people that went in there, well, it was probably young or middle aged, whatever, went in there that hasn't uh, did did not test it positively. So I just wonder, like, are the HSE uh, doing their own figures, making up their own figures for this lake and telling us that this lake, making up the numbers? Yeah, on on the basis of no of, of nobody testing positive going yeah. into the gate. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I find it very, very strange. Eh? Um, no, they were, I mean, they, 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 well, nothing would surprise me anymore, but they wouldn't, why would they want to make up numbers? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I found it very strange like that everyone that, that was tested, like, tested negative. I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> They're just testing people every day and they're coming up with these figures. Sorry, it's three and a half thousand people attended the gig. My apologies on Saturday night. All right. And an antigen yeah, t- well, yeah. it's still three and a half thousand. It's still a lot of people to a find not people, to find not people, one like. of them with COVID, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. But then the Indian variant came along, you see. So the, the, the Indian variant came along. I know. I heard on your program this morning that uh, there was no vaccines by the by the by the by the pharmacies this morning. And Michael Martin said on Friday evening that they there'd be vaccines available for in every pharmacy. But they're not. A, but from uh, I mean. Just on the, on, on a, the few that I've spoken to so far, they don't they don't have any. But that isn't to say that the five hundred and fifty across the country don't. But even what they do have seems like small numbers, like fifty vaccines. Should they be gone like that? All they would, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're, they're dragging their heels. I think big time in, in in the vaccine situation because if the if the vaccine was rolled out fast enough, like to, to slow down this Indian variant, unbelievable. Like. Yeah, and I can't, I can't figure out why so they won't roll out in faster, like. Maybe they don't have it. Maybe they don't have enough. Maybe we're waiting on supplies. Well, well, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they admit that they haven't got it? Like besides pharmacies. Well, all, well, all, all I know is there was a big, huge song and dance about the pharmacies rolling out the vaccines from this morning to the eighteen to thirty-four year olds, and lo and behold, pharmacies said they have nothing. So I know, I mean, which, I is, which is very, which is very unfair to people because they make the effort of making of making a phone call and try to try to get into the pharmacies and, 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 and yes, like they'll all put on hold now again. Like I think it's very unfair to people that they're not told the truth. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, yeah. James. Have a good day in Ballangiri. Meanwhile, Paul Hello, sir, yeah. Are you protesting outside Paddy Powers? I, I am indeed. Okay. Did you place a bet that went wrong or something? No, I I said what happened, O'Neill. Um last Monday I went down to uh Caroline Perry Paul's I don't normally go there, I I go to Douglas almost all, all my life. But I did a five euro win, a five euro win, which I thought was two three old doors. So um Explain was, explain you know, the bet now it was on the on Euro twenty twenty, was it? Oh, oh yeah, it was Euro twenty last Monday. Croatia was only one team at ten at five o'clock and the other team as far as we're playing at eight o'clock. So I'm happy to do three all draws, so I did a five euro win, five euro win, and a five euro double. Now, I was watching. So, five euro bet on Croatia to win, a five euro bet on France to win, and a five euro. No, to draw, to draw. It was a five euro and five euro, a five euro double for two draws. Nah, man, I'm not following you. Who were Croatia playing? But the result came up, it was a three-all draw. So that was the first part of my best was up. Then after that, I, I, when I looked at my dog, I discovered to my, my horror that I had written down a two-all draw instead of a three-all draw. But the odds I had done reflected the odds of a three-all draw. So I went down 40 minutes before the match. I know most of Stephen Douglas. As I said, I, I go there quite often. And I thought, no bother whatsoever. For, no, this is 40 minutes before the match started at all. Uh, and I said, look, look, would you please just change that? Uh, I put the wrong scoring, but I have the correct odds. So he would not do that. I said, can I, can I ring the officer where I did the bet in Carragher Lane? I got no officer. I said, can I ring head officer? So I knew I was in was a big sweat. So therefore, look, when I showed him my docket, he, he wrote down 17 to 1, which was the correct odds for 2 all at the time. And I didn't want that. And, uh, and I, what, was, I, what were the odds for 3 all? The answer was a hundred one, which I had written on my docket uh, in the afternoon. So that that, that reflected that reflected that reflected uh, a hundred to one odds, which I had written on my docket. That reflects the score of a three-all draw. 
But you had written down you had written down a two all draw at a hundred to one. That's right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and, and do bookies and like do bookies correct bets like that before a race well, or a match? Well, 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 I presume they do because I never, I never had the situation before in my life. And with all due respect to you, and in good faith, I tell you absolutely no problem. Yes, he was able to put down seventeen to one on my docket. And and the bottom line, wait, if that was the case, why did correct my score from two all to three all? And there'd be no problem. Every forty six thousand, if there's a matter of a hundred thousand involved or a couple of thousand, um, I wouldn't mind. But there's a lot of money at stake here. How much it, would you have won if, for instance, I, I, it said I, I, three all draw a hundred to one? I would have won over forty six thousand euro. Oh my God, that's an enormous amount. That, that 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 is a dream docker for any punter to to come across. You know. And like, never, and I said to you, Neil, never in Premier matches or during the Euro games, which I bet on, never would a two-all draw substantiate 100 to 1. So but you must have been able to explain to Paddy Bahars that the docket didn't reflect reality. It said a two-all draw at 100 to 1 when it should I, I, have said I, I, a three-all draw. But that's why he came down at 7 o'clock that night to correct my mistake. I tell you, no. and yet he took my docket and he put down 17 to 1 which was not on the original docket and he had no right to do that. So he did change the 100 to 1 to 17 to 1 but didn't change the... But he didn't, he didn't cross off the 100. The 100 was still on the docket. He wrote down 17 to 1 the 2-all scoreline. Oh, I see. I, I see the case that you're making there. If, 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 he, if he had the audacity to do that, he could have easily crossed off the 2-all which reflected our... My odds have 101, which is clearly stated. So, what I don't know is, do bookies, because they've already processed the bet, how can they change the bet? You know, I'm just wondering. It's not a question of changing the bet. It's because the first match was up, it was over. I cut that, I cut that, we said, but the second part of the bet was not, was not, was not. Oh, yeah, but the bet on the docket had begun then, had it? It had begun. But the second part of the docket. Hadn't no, but like, would, it, would I be able to change a bet halfway through a horse race? Like, well, well, you see, this is not a horse race. This is football, and I've been well known to do these type of scores. Don't depend upon those for most of my life. I do all the career scores, like right? Six, yeah. Seven, yeah. And yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I mean, this is a, if I tell you, I'm going to I've never done it like this before. But I, I honestly feel that this, the two hundred. Uh, it, it, it was it the hand of God. They maybe do this. Why? I, I never know. I got to charge You put down 2 2 instead of 3 3, and you yeah, put down 100 to 1, yeah, which was the 3 yeah, 3 bet. In all honesty, Neil, a 2 all draw never in history of Pali would, would constitute or reflect uh, 100 to 1. I know. And um, and what are they saying? What are they saying to you? Sorry? What are they saying to you? I mean, you're protesting. I, 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 I saw the manager, a nice person, you know, the manager. His name is I don't want to know his name. Don't tell me his name. I just oh, want to know what they said to you. I tell you, to take this to a higher authority and he gave the name of the area manager, which I met during the week. All right. And I also, I also put, a, put a letter in writing in good faith, so my, my, my anguish. And um, he read the letter and I presume he contacted the head office and he said he signs out tight as well. So that's why I wrote here this morning, you know, Processing, I feel a very strong case. I've got six good reasons why I think I, sh- I, sh- I should get paid. Now, I can name those reasons for you if you want me to. Are they lengthy no. reasons? No, they're not lengthy reasons, no. Go on. They're not. Reason number one, I called them to Douglas approximately seven o'clock to win my docket before kickoff. 
Og jeg var så, hvor lavede jeg tilbage, det tog jeg, da jeg var sådan her, for jeg var til 16 år, jeg var så ofte bedt, en kopvind, det tog jeg også, hvis jeg sætter vinde i kødet, det var risikokket. Okay. I got no option doing Caroline, which when I did the doctors, uh, when I did the doctors. All right, hang on a second. Is that are we still at reason number one? Okay, go on. I, I, I got no option doing Caroline or head office to swim in my bed. Reason number three, I kept telling staff that I wanted to stick me to my trail draw, uh, which I was at 100, on which I had shown my doctor on the force. I had to all written down. He wouldn't, he, to my amazement, he would not do this. Reason number four. Most soccer games and your games are imperative. A two-hour drop would never constitute... 100 to uh, 1, bet. 100 to 1. Yeah, okay. 100 to 1. Reason number five, the staff um, put down 70 on my docket, which I did not want, uh, without my permission. He said, not done this. If he did, without 70 on my docket, why in the name of God couldn't he just... Uh, under, I put down three, three all, three all draw, uh, instead of two or draw, okay, which okay. I had 101 written down on my docket. Oh, oh, yeah, you filled out you filled out the docket though you, with your own hand, didn't you? I, I, I did. Yeah. But still, not, I cannot park to me for kickoff to win my mistake. So you end up with nothing. You you could have got 46 and you're in 46 grand. You got nothing. Well, as it stands at the moment, O'Neill, um, I, I, I suppose I left the egg in my face, but then still port, that's my protesting. And what's, and the, you know, when you say you're protesting, have you a placard or what? What? what I, mean, I, mean, I made up a placard there yesterday and uh, I have it written outside the, um, the office at the moment. What does it say? It says there's a petty power dispute, 46,000 versus 40 minutes notice before kickoff. Six reasons to get my winnings. Okay, um, um, we've been in touch with Paddy Power. They're looking into this and they said that they will be directly in touch with you whenever that will be, I, I don't know. I mean, is, th- is there a compromise in there somewhere, do you think? Of, of course there is. Look, I, I recognize my mistake by the hand of God I made by, by sheer error. I've been these three all my life and the bottom line is like that. I went down to rectify my mistake. The game was, was but what's, I know that we've covered that. But what's the compromise? Is it a financial number, a figure? Well, not I've, been told, I've been told different independent bookmakers, Barry Simone and Boys, again, no names to mention whatsoever, and they feel that the, 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 the top result would be turns to both parties rather than a Kenny Powers came out 46,000 pounds. I'll be meeting halfway, halfway. and split the bed on the two all draw. But come here, just one draw. question for you, Paul. What would have happened if it was a two all draw at 100 to 1? You'd have happily taken the payout, would you? If it was, if it was a tour, I would have to take it on the chin. Okay, okay. And all, and all, I would have okay. to take it on the chin like anything else. And also, I went down, I've been well known to three all draws. I'm a high roller when it comes to prizes. I never do one all or one all. Did you ever have a payout like that before? Never in my life. And that's why it's so strong. I'm 70 okay. years of age and I feel everybody does a docker like that. It's like a dream docker and they're on six feet. Um, that uh, this will never happen again. All right, well, listen, let's see what they come back with. I'd be interested to hear what they have to say on the matter, all right? Okay, and if you want me to send you on a copy of the document, I'd love a copy. I would absolutely love a copy of the docket. Hold on there, I'll put you back on hold. You can talk to the lads about that, and we'll wait and see what Paddy Power have to say on the matter. Anybody been through something similar to that? Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red. 
FM. I see some text text there taking me to task on uh, why I didn't mention the one positive vantage and test at the gig. I did mention it in you know as early as four ten past nine this morning when I was doing the newspaper review. Uh, three and a half thousand people did that went to the gig. They all took the antigen. One member of the public received a positive COVID nineteen antigen test at the pilot concert, and they didn't get into the gig. That person then took a PCR test. And the PCR test came back negative for COVID-19. So I did on a number of occasions. Maybe not the last time in conversation. With regards to scams and what the guards will and won't do about calling you in advance of an arrest. That's all very well. Clearly, that's a scam. But Gary says uh, you should be covering the new Garda law of Angarda Shikona helping to be forced through the doll. And this would give the Gardaí the power to prosecute and imprison anyone for up to five years if they refuse to hand over their passwords to their mobile phones and or their laptop or electronic device. Uh, Gary says this erosion of liberties is astonishing and feel this is the type of action which the Chinese Communist Party or North Korea would do. Surely a democratic country such as Ireland could not stoop to these levels. It's a very worthy topic to cover on your show because us, the citizens of Ireland, cannot sleepwalk into a society like this, says Gary. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, you, maybe you're slightly over-egging the pudding. I, I wonder, this is as part of a, an investigation Right. This is as part of an investigation where they need to access somebody's laptop or they need to access somebody's mobile phone as part of an investigation. Say, for instance, it could be paedophilia activity, whatever. And, and again, these would be an investigation. So therefore, it would be an allegation against a person. Would you still be against uh, Gardy having access to somebody's mobile phone? Uh, or laptop, even in those kind of circumstances, I wonder. And one fast one. This is very funny. Uh, you talk about somebody spending six, five and a half grand sterling for a JCB um, from an ad on Done Deal. Well, that's one thing. The JCB never arrived. But what about this advert spotted on, on Done Deal posted by someone in Cork, apparently? In Cork. And the ad on Done Deal says, Diamonds are not forever. Beautiful engagement rings for sale. Worn by a cold-hearted, calculated, self-obsessed, money-grabbing, ill-tempered, treacherous vixen with false-coloured eyes, just like the rest of her. This is beautiful engagement rings for sale. Meticulously designed by her for her delicate little finger. To quote her on the day in the shop, If I don't get these, I don't want any. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, but I should have ran out the door. They totaled over €8,000. I've attached a picture of the car I sold to buy them. The same picture was given back to me along with the return of the rings just to rub it in a bit more. So the rings were given back in the photograph of the car. What a car it was. I really miss it. Never let me down. Always put a smile on my face and was a pleasure to drive. Wish I could say the same about her. Back to the rings. They are a three-piece white gold with diamonds. Very unique looking, unlike the person that wore them for six years. They come with a certificate of authenticity and all of the relevant paperwork. They are pristine condition due to not being worn a lot by her after all her shouting. Any other information, please message me. (laughs) I mean, there is a serious side to this, I know, marital breakdown, relationships going west and stuff like that. But I think it's beautifully written. I mean, clearly written by a very bitter man. But I think... One thing that jumped out at me is, isn't it amazing that you got them back? You got them back! 
you might be able to redeem some of your losses. It's only you'll get eight grand's worth back, but you never know. Don't know whether you'd ever get that fantastic car back again, but you got them back. Do people always give the rings back when relationships break down, I wonder? Text 0868104106. Now, on Friday, and this is just a selection of texts with regards to uh, nursing homes and what happened during COVID. And I'm not talking about the first run of COVID, March 2020. I'm talking about the outbreak of COVID in nursing homes in January and February of this year. And that's what primetime we're reflecting. Neil, people knocked the church for running health services, but this is a prime example of why healthcare should never be private. Uh, look at Marymount Hospice, a beautiful place. The people are a priority. They don't need to say it in some eye-catching logo or radio advert. They prove it in the way they care for people at Marymount. <clears throat> Even though it's heartbreaking hearing someone get upset over not seeing their mother, I don't understand that caller's tears because no one, and I mean no one, would stop me seeing my mother or taking her home. Desi says, I worked in Ballyno Nursing Home when it first opened and it was a lovely place to work and the staff were wonderful. We worked out that the home was making over 50 grand a week. When COVID hit, I was told by a member of staff in another nursing home uh, that the owners had told them to hold out on PPE equipment and the government will end up supplying and paying for it. I found that to be reckless at the time by nursing homes. This wasn't Ballyno, this was another nursing home where the owner was holding out on PPE. I can't speak on air, but I just need to make a point on nursing homes. It's horrific how bad the impact of COVID was, but honestly, I can say that if you were a fly on the wall on a normal day, you would be shocked at what you'd see. I worked in several nursing homes, including one that has won awards for being the best in the area. It was beautifully decorated and the rooms were lovely. Myself and the other care staff tried our hardest to provide the best care we could. The truth is, we were lucky just to be able to maintain people's physical basic needs. Taking care of emotional, social and psychological needs just weren't possible. I've personally had to leave elderly people distressed and alone because I've been the only one on the ward. And there were so many call bells ringing at the same time. The ones I had to leave, though distressed, were safe. How do you know that? Someone else would have fallen and then I've been in trouble for not getting there faster. I always knew when Hikwa were coming and so much was hidden when Hikwa were calling. It's terrible. Places like this get away with so much because they're always tipped off ahead of time. God knows the the care staff try, but there's only so much I can do when I have so many residents and only half the staff. The trouble is that more staff cost more money and that affects the bottom line, which is profit. I'm listening to the lady about the nurses, Neil. She's so right. My mother's in her 90s. She's been in the COH a handful of times over the past 18 months. The way the nurses and carers treat her is appalling. I know a lot of them are very good, but we're all afraid to speak out about the ones who are not up to standard. The woman has guts to speak out on the air to you. Well done. Has nothing changed in the COH with regards to geriatric care since last I did this on the air? Because they got very upset at the CUH following that coverage. I would have thought things would have improved. And just one more for now. I have to say hospitals are no different to nursing homes. My mother passed away in the Mercy in January. We were not allowed in to see her and she died alone. She passed away within an hour and ten minutes of my phone call to her ward. Her mobile phone had been switched off so we could not speak to her. So I asked the nurse and she said, Mum can't speak because she has a mask on. I was told she was doing okay at 945 I got a phone call at 11.05 that she had a bad turn. So I went straight up there, but it was too late. She passed at 11.15. 
We were not informed she had a bad turn at half six and again at half eight. And if we had been told of that, we would have been there to say our goodbyes. And that's just a selection. There are literally our pages and pages. I, I don't always get to everything and I apologize for that. Uh, but I had hoped on Friday, the problem with my phone, trying to get in touch with Paddy O'Brien on Fridays and I didn't get to call him. Um, but he does join my phone now. Paddy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, just, I don't know how many of the calls you heard on Friday morning and I don't know whether you saw prime time on Thursday night. Yes, I, I, I did. And, um, you know, the first thing I would do is uh, sympathise with those wonderful people put up such a brave face and the height of the desperate um, times they were experiencing and then and the, and the great loss of their, uh, their loved ones. You know, and I would agree with those calling for a public inquiry into this. There's so many elderly people who died in residence, in residence homes throughout the whole country and all the problems experienced by family members would have just, just graced and uncalled for and the, the, the relatives should have been treated far much better. Well, the only two that we heard about, of course, on, on the Thursday night show was Cahakala and Ennis and the Care Choice in Ballyno. They were, they were singled yeah. out. I mean, things had been going super in Ballyno until January, but extraordinarily now, uh, we heard in, in these cases that people who had been tested and were awaiting their results in nursing homes were in the day rooms with other elderly, frail, fragile, compromised people. But that's right, but I, I read a report over the weekend that a cause of, uh, one cause of this, this was a major contributory factor, that in some nursing homes, there was 50 to 80, 80, 80% of the staff were not there at all. They were totally just on the national papers over, over the weekend. And you know something? Um, it's well, the majority of staff were testing positive, so they couldn't go to work. And uh, well, that's why that you was, had that, that, agencies. That's said. what I thought as well. That's what I thought, thought as well. But they were down in staff. And I think what, what has to happen, they must have an inquiry, number one. And number two, I think it's not just the nursing homes who are in question at this moment. I think that all, that all the nursing homes are ladies in Cork. We were, I bring your own shows to homes and they're first class, they're great and I can see the kind. Do they know you're coming? No, no, that's the point I'm going to make sure. Did, oh, they know I'm coming because I, I go down on the Thursday to a different, different nursing home every Thursday and I can see the love there and I visit on a, a, a personal basis and I go and see people and the same thing. But the, the situation Cause is... Because no, this email uh, says, I worked in several nursing homes, including ones that have won awards, but they always know when Hickwa are coming and the bad stuff gets yeah, hidden. Well, well, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to speak about that. The situation is this, is that nursing homes, they're doing their own thing. They're, you go back 30 years ago, I don't think there were any nursing homes. There were only places like St. Fen Mars, Little Sisters, the Poor in Montanati, 100, 120 people staying there. Lots of nursing homes run by the HSE. But nursing homes now have mushroomed up all over the place. And these people who began these nursing homes are doing it for one reason and that is to make money. Yes. I'm I, I'm I'm a great believer in this the visitation, more supervision by the help by the health board. There must be the visits must be and should be unannounced. I was a member and appointed by the Minister for Justice in nineteen seventy eight onto the Cork Prison Visiting Committee. Now, people will be appalled to hear what I want to tell them, is that I was appointed and asked them, the person who appointed me, what was my function? And he said that I would run a committee in Cork, you, you'll have to meet once a month, discuss the problems of the, from the prisoners, but you're principally a watchdog for the minister. You're making sure that the prisoners have been treated is being treated correctly and properly. I equate that situation with the elderly. 
who's no watchdog. And I'm calling on the HSE to appoint visiting committees, the people of their own discretion, to visit people unannounced. And I think, well, this is time that's happened. We want to improve it. There are often things... What's the point in having a having a Um, visit where you tell them in advance that you're arriving. Um, but no, visit, visiting committees, no. Like, to like give you an idea. No, but why so would Hikwa tell people that we're inspecting you in three days' time at nine o'clock in the morning? I can never understand that. That's Because the same, the same person who's working in a nursing home where that happens says call bells are not being answered because there isn't yeah, enough yeah. staff. That's it. That's it. That, that, that was one of the points I was making a moment ago that um, they said a lot of the problems and a shortage, a shortage of, of, of staff. And I think there has to be more supervision. There has to be far more supervision over, over, over nursing homes. Now, the most of nursing homes are just fantastic and great, but there, some of them leave a lot to be desired, quite honestly. And I, I think that the, the situations, what those people put up with, it's an appalling that they had to stand in the cold looking through a window, watching a person pass away, was unchristian. Mm. Um, I mean, just an appalling situation. And I, I can't say, as a lay person, I can't say why they shouldn't get the proper gear, be covered well, and go off and be uh, with the with a parent on their last but what if it's But what if it's proved that some nursing homes held out so that they'd get free PPE and lives were lost because of it? I mean... Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Member staff in another nursing home said that the owner said, hold out on PPE equipment and the government will end up supplying and paying for it. I mean, that's reckless. That's that's what I mean. I, I, before before I come on to you there, I had a lot of comments from different people, and you spoke very well about the the hospice uh, and Corrigan Road. That's the kind of care should be in every nursing home, and and not enough attention has been cared to people. I know for them the bells are ringing, the bells are ringing. Uh, a lady, I want, one of them, I want to get a commode. They called for a commode. The commode doesn't come along. They soil the bed. They're now in trouble. They're appalling things. But relatives will not speak out officially because they'll be afraid that their parents will be sent home and who's going to care for them then. Is it that there's not enough places in nursing homes available then? Oh yes, there's a a waiting list. There there, there are waiting lists now in every nursing home. About a year and a half ago, I ran 14 nursing homes for a a man in Ballinlock who had all the the fair deal information, all everything covered by by geriatricians and everything. And they said, no, waiting list on a waiting list, I could be two years waiting. So the nursing homes, in a sense, can just do what they like. They can charge what they like. I know what some nursing homes are charging. I know I'm digressing. What for could you pay? Time. Like what? What could you pay? What's a ballpark per week or per? Well, a lot of a lot of nursing homes are paying way over a thousand. I know one nursing home that's fourteen in County Cork, uh, fourteen hundred, and it would be very interesting. For a week, for this. a week, yeah, a week, a week, yeah. And how how can a family or anybody come up with um, fifty six hundred, five thousand six hundred a month? That's it. A lot of the world costs will go for the for the, uh, the, the the fair fair the fair deal. But that's a proportion of it, though, isn't it? Oh, proportion, yeah. And that 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 when the person provided they own their own house, who I have sympathy for are people who live in um, in corporation houses. That one of those people, a tenant, required care in a nursing home. Um, it's out of the question then for them. There are waiting lists in nursing homes, and I, I, I know I'm saying it for the fourth time that, from my own observation. 
I think we want more, more, more supervision. And I mean, I have, I have already found some vehicles on the exam, you know, and, and your own news items there, where, nurse, where inspectors call to nursing homes and SOEB and CA, and they'll just rectify them, and they'll go back in a month, and they're the same way. And there, there, was, there, there was no victimisation, there was nothing happened then. It just strikes me as that the most vulnerable in society are always the ones that that seem to be called to account when it comes to investigations, nursing homes and creches and childcare facilities. And yet the companies who run them continue. And we saw that recently with with the creche that was investigated by RT, still making huge profits. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean... <clears throat> it's an English company. It's some English companies down in Ireland. They're English companies in Cork. They're English companies in County Cork. They're big companies who've taken over nursing homes and there's big, big money to be made. Big money to be made. I mean, the thing is that um, I, I've, I've, I'm, not, I'm saying and repeat for the fourth time that there's some great, fantastic nursing homes in Cork City and County that I visit. But there are other nursing homes. Regretfully, I mean, I go there, I, on purpose I would go there at tea time and you see them getting a, a tea a sandwich nothing more than a sandwich a skinny little sandwich mm. and they're paying big money for, for that I mean that's in some nursing homes where, where, where I don't get I don't need to get a good food and I notice myself so a lot of nursing homes a lot of elderly people in their nursing homes um, I, I can see them actually getting thin why I don't need to get adequate food and, and the misfortunes who are residents they don't want to complain. They're afraid to complain and the families you're saying are afraid to kick up in case they that's have to go. That's it. They're okay. afraid. To, they're afraid. I will tell you a story that happened to me about 25, 28 years ago. We were doing an article for the examiner and a reporter came with me. I will not mention any names. This lady reporter came with me and we went to a nursing home. The examiner wants to, they weren't hitting Penny O'Brien's Road anymore. Right, bring her around. And I, I rang the owner of the, of the nursing home and said, yes, come around. Speak to, they want to speak to the reporters or to the or to the residents, yeah. Bring her around speaking. They were all such with they were this and they were loving, happy, happy, happy. And they came to this lady and they, she didn't speak so well about the home. Yeah. In fact, she spoke badly about the home. Yeah. And when the interview was finished, um, we got chatting with the owner and the report, lady, the lady reporter said, uh, "And listen, the what Mary said to me about the home. Yeah, she had said she wasn't getting enough to eat. She said that if she fell asleep in the afternoon or in the evening time, they'd pass her on. She wouldn't have any tea. They wouldn't oh wake her. Oh my God, she'd and, wake up and starving. She, the, the lady went behind her <clears throat> and started rubbing her the the, the, the resident's hair and said, "Ah, poor Mary," she said, and only six months ago she was grand." She was telling us that she had Alzheimer's and she hadn't, that she didn't know what she was talking about. That is the reality of the situation. I hope some people can cover up. I, I don't follow you. The, the nursing home said that she did or didn't the, have... The, 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 lady, the, lady, the elderly lady was telling us that she was being treated badly, she wasn't getting adequate food, and that at night time she fell asleep around four or five o'clock when the tea came around, they passed her on. Yeah. And no, she wouldn't get any, any tea that evening because she was asleep. So when we discussed this later on with the owner of the house, uh, this lady was quite near the lady in question, and she started dropping her hair, and she was pretty over us, and that she had Alzheimer's. That's why she was saying that. 
and that was it. And she didn't, she wasn't an Alzheimer's sufferer? No, not at all. She spoke normally. She spoke normally. As a matter of fact, I just thrilled when she was talking. I said, no, at least they're telling the stories that I've been saying all along as well. And this is nearly, nearly, nearly 30, 30 years ago. People are afraid to speak out. Okay. They, they, they say, the situation is this. It's so hard to get into a nursing home. It's, it's disgraceful that they're on to councils, they're on to TDs. So well, what advice would you give to families who have somebody in a nursing home, a loved one then? Ask questions, well, arrive unannounced? Well, what I would do is sit down there and make sure that they're happy. That they are happy. Find out they would know themselves and they would speak to, to management. And they know, and, and another thing that's happened in the hospitals around 20 years, I have very little of it. The amount of people falling out of beds in nursing homes and I, I was in a nursing home where I actually saw a mattress on the floor mm. in three rooms. A mattress on the floor and the plastic case would fall out. And there were more elderly, there were more elderly people being, by, being brought, brought to, by ambulance or hospital as a result of falling out of the, over the bed. Why? Because they don't have the proper medical beds with the science. Well, maybe that, but not enough staff also, I imagine. Not, not, not enough staff, but, no, but the most important, it would be the, um, the sides. It's the sides the side you can lift up to prevent them falling out. That you'd have in, 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 a, in a, a well-run run hospital. And um, it's very sad. And what, what I would say to relatives, like, keep in touch with them, friendly out about their food. Their food. You can, you know, They're losing weight? Yeah, lo- losing weight, yeah. And about making sure they're getting a shower couple of times a week. You know, lots of things that keep that there. And I mean, they'd have to do, do something definite, et cetera, about it. I mean, the, the nursing homes of the HSC themselves know the nursing homes are a question because there are people that they're calling them that they would have found out false and then they were never rectified. Mm. They, they didn't do a thing. Mm. They don't care. They want to do their own thing. But if they're great for people, uh, elderly, elderly people who are no resident hospital, this is their home, and they've not been treated properly. And it's a heartbreak for the person themselves and for the family as well. And I repeat myself, they can't, they are afraid to speak out because they waited so long to get a parent into a nursing home. All right. You know, um, another thing, another thing, but this is how I feel, I feel strongly about this. I haven't heard any report that when any, any of the people were bad, this is throughout the whole country, in the nursing homes, that anyone sent for a priest given the right to the church. And that's very, very important to elderly people. Even in the last moments, people are conscious and they're real that they want to praise. And I had heard one report, and I hope the staff should. In every hospital, they would do it. If a person's coming out at the end, they said, send them for the chaplain. But I was reading the post, I hadn't heard one thing where, where the staff of any of these... Like if somebody, what would, what would normally happen in that circumstance, somebody wants the last rites, would the nursing home call a local priest to attend? They call, they call, they, they call a chaplain, if it was a, a, a hospital, or they would call a local priest, yeah, they call, call a priest. But during yeah. COVID, that wouldn't be able to happen, would it? Well, that, 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 that I don't know, quite honestly, but I, 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 think I would have imagined that priest would put on the gear as well. Okay. I know the person. And that would mean so much to, to, the, to the relatives. And I don't want to persuade too much. I still sympathize with those people, force the people to put up. It was, uh, it was, there was no compassion shown for them. Stand out in the cold. They were treated in, a, in the most, what I would term, in a Christian. I know, but you couldn't have you couldn't have family after family walking through a nursing home no, un- un- untested during yeah. the worst pandemic. 
Yeah, but what I, what I was speaking about at the, at the very beginning where they have sort of low numbers and, and but it would have the low numbers and that should look after those people and then I, I wouldn't expect everyone walking together. I mean, that would have to, times have to be organised. But I just still think and I maintain that there should have been a means there. There was a better way than just looking in the window on a cold frosty night looking at their apparent passing away. I think they should have done something. Okay, Paddy, uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for taking the call for now. Cheers, Paddy O'Brien. The two Cork families featured actually were the Kellehers and the Thompson and Margaret Kelleher was left alone and not changed and Mam died and there's no family present and then Kathleen Thompson's family uh, Mam died. She, uh, there was nine at the window and one or two were clawing at the glass and Mam was inside dying alone and John, her son, had to go to the front door, actually, at Ballyno to, to tell them that her mam had passed away. And then we heard from Cahercala in uh, Clare, where long periods of time, no one was in charge, and there was no nurse on duty for 12-hour periods, and the call bells weren't being answered, and scabies broke out, and there were double-padding uh, residents for convenience, I suppose. Not for the residents' convenience, don't get me wrong. Um, I worked uh, in a nursing home. Those beds have side rails, but staff cannot use them unless the family okay it. Otherwise, it's deemed a form of restraint. We put mattresses on both sides to cushion their fall, but we're limited in what we can do if the family specifically ask for no rails and no restraint. Thank you for that. It's important to hear that, unless from somebody working in a nursing home saying that those beds do have the side rails. Patty was talking about, but they can't be used if the family don't allow it. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, the Maldron Hotel, Wexford, two nights bed and breakfast for two people. And we have a different Maldron Hotel every day this week to you and whoever you want to take with you. You'll have a wonderful, wonderful break. Uh, change of scenery for you. You can book at maldronhotels.com. So these artists and titles, please, in the right order. All right, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone. We'll take ta- we'll take caller ten. Artist and title in the right order. Just before I leave you for the day, that's in a Maura. Hello. I love these kind of stories. So you were up climbing Croke Patrick. Is that right? I was on Lord your uh, all night. Were you on your hulls from Ballycotton up in the county? That's Mayo, isn't it? It's, I think Westport. It's near Westport. I'm not very good at the geography. Okay. I know, I know Dingle and I know Clare Galway. I'm originally from Dingle. Okay, I'm, I'm planning to. I'm planning to have an old stroll up Croke Park. Is it? Is it difficult, Croke Patrick? Is it difficult? Is it difficult? I've been up Crown Pool a good few times. I've been up Mount Brandon. They're a walk in the park compared to. Really? Wouldn't you think that... It nearly broke. If there was an inch of my body, I had to donate the following day. It wasn't fit for donation. (laughs) I would have thought the Quran tool would have been tougher. But anyway, who who did you come across that... Did she pass you out, Kathleen Tate? Kath, I was there taking a breather, myself and another lady from Blenerville. And there I look... Out of the corner of my eye, I sit, see this lady and her daughter hang the galley up the mountain, <laughs> and they passed me out <laughs> over. And I, I, I'm not giving her age over 
70 years of age. Let us just say and in her 70s, baiting up the side of Croke Patrick. <laughs> she passed me out going the hammers ahead. She did so. And God bless the lady to this day, I will never, ever forget her. And did she make it to the top before you? She didn't make it to the top before me. There's a very, very steep incline towards the end of Croke Patrick. And... She wasn't going to be beaten. No way in hell. She was getting to the top on her hands and knees. <laughs> at the end of it. Hold on a second, because I have Kathleen here. Kathleen. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. On your hands and knees, is it? Yes, um, for the last 20 minutes, hands and knees. Oh, my God. The whole lot, fingers, toes, the whole lot were trying to make it. But you weren't going to give up, is it? No way, no way. Because when I first started with my daughter, we, I went to have a look. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I always want to know about Crook Patrick. And when we got about 20 minutes to the walk, I told her, I'm turning back, I'm not able for this. And she just signaled with the walking stick, you're on your way, Vicky. That is my daughter called Vicky. And I said, right, I'm going. So uh, we headed off and we were for miles. It went on for miles. And then when I got there, it was, it's very hard. It's no day out in the park. Uh, and when we got the last 20 minutes of it, I would say, I had to just go down because stones kept rolling down on top of me. And I got a crack on the thumb. So she pulled me along by the jumper when I was, she was trying to pull me up. I had a walking stick, but I kept sticking it in her shoes. And I decided to abandon the walking stick and go on all fours. Oh, my God. You must have been sore. You must have had blisters. Oh, God. Not too bad. When I got there, then it was grand. I I saw a church and I saw a seat. And people gave me um, water. I must have looked bad. And they gave me orange and uh, all different things. And a lot of the young people came over and they said I was an inspiration and I said I don't see how I said I think you're wonderful I didn't expect to see young people well you mesmerised Maura when you passed her you lifted her up the mountain with you (laughs) and she took me back down with you and Fiona yeah she more than mesmerised me (laughs) if if there's any truth in the saying faith can move mountains (laughs) Kathleen is an example of it well, she yes. wasn't. She wasn't one to give up, though. Um, and what? No what do you? Th- what do you think carried you up the mountain? Is it a healthy lifestyle? You always look out for yourself, Kathleen. Yeah, I've always looked out for myself. I know I used to walk a lot last year, but I didn't walk much this year. I don't know why. But I would just. I suppose. I just wanted to go and see it because it might be my last chance. You got so the I, most beautiful weather up top, though, didn't you? Fantastic! Out of this world. I have a lovely suntan. <laughs> lovely bronzy look I'd never had that before <laughs> and I have plenty of bruises and plenty of cuts but coming down was very interesting I met four young men and their father and they said Dad, please move over the old lady is coming down and the other fellow showed oh she's one of the last of the old starlet houses still on the go well listen you, they were only still going up you'd been up there and and you, yeah. they say that going down is harder than going up. Is that true? I found it worse. Well, it was Jim and Fiona and Maura carried me down basically with Vicky. They carried me down. Literally, did they? Well, what I mean is one had my arm and the other one, somebody had the back of my jumper. Oh, I had to walk it. I walked it. But with help. 
She it's walked very hard. She walked. Well, I had to walk. But she helped me. She took me by the arms. She well, you had to get down. It's either that or a helicopter. Oh, that's, and that's, well, I was talking about a taxi and they were all busting <laughs> laughing. My daughter was busting a taxi in the middle of this. you're an inspiration in fairness to you well done I got some fabulous photographs of yourself and your daughter up top the blue skies and the lakes below and oh my god but not alone um, 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 Kathleen like Baz Baz you know 50 ways of killing your mother (laughs) Oh, yeah, like, what's his name? Bez. How to kill I love your mother, it. yeah? I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, well done. Congratulations. You have knocked Thank that you. off the bucket list. Her, her daughter, Thank you very much. was an inspiration for bringing her because I wouldn't have had the patience. <laughs> um, uh, as well, stood by her thick. Well done, well done. All right, well, listen, lovely catching up with both of you, really and truly. Well done on both of you. Congratulations to Kathleen and to Maura for telling us all about it originally. Lovely photographs. Okay, just before I go for the day, that I always thought Croke Park or Patrick was reasonably easy. I love it was a stroll up the side of a hill, but there you go. Veronica! Hi, Neil, how's it going? Would you like uh, two nights bed and breakfast for you and whomever you choose to take with you to the Maldron Hotel Wexford? I'd be thrilled. Thanks a million. Change of scenery. I, I wish I had more time to chat, but I don't. So, artists and titles, these three songs in the right order. Here we go. Shout them out. Cabana, Barry Manilow, Wham, and Hotel California, The Eagles. Not a bother. Obviously, they're too easy. I'll have to make them much harder tomorrow. Congratulations. <laughs> it took a while for the second one. What? It took a while for the second one. Yeah, no, they're too easy. I'll make them tougher, don't you worry. But listen, well done. Congratulations. You're off to Wexford. Cheers. Cheers. And stay open to 1850-104-106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.